Oh, send it. Buckle up. <laughs> S- no. Is this serious? <laughs> yeah. I want to well, send it to me. Well, the Post, I guess it's serious. Well, but you're rich. You're part of the 1%. <clears throat> Correct. Thought-provoking, funny, but mostly just entertaining. With nearly 100 years of combined life experience, prepare to listen in on excitement, intrigue, absurdity. This is The David Allen Show. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? Well, well, happy new year. That's a deep thought it for is, a shallow uh, mind. It's 2017. <gasps> is Can this you the believe first it? one this of the year? This is it. This is number, uh, number one oh, uh, of 2017. Actually, episode wow. 43, I believe, of the David Allen Show. 2.0. Uh, <laughs> David Allen it's Show. 2.01. One. One. Yeah, 2.01. Yeah, oh, <laughs> yes, yes. Nice. Uh, well, well ha- happy new year. Thank you. You too? What'd you do? Um, I mean, today's the the seventh, but uh, what I do for the New yeah. Year's? Yeah, um, I went to sleep early. So what'd you do? Did you slept over? I actually was shooting a wedding uh, with with a camera. Um. <laughs> yeah, I know. Thanks for qualifying that. Uh, in studio uh, today, we are actually live on Saturday. Uh, going forward, I think on the David Allen Show, we're going to be uh, broadcasting live uh, via Mix.lr. Uh, slash the postmaster uh, live Saturday mornings. Well, morning. It's morning on the West Coast. Uh, yeah, somewhere around the I don't know six to before six before noon <laughs> is the theory. Right, <laughs> sometime during daylight hours, um, we will be broadcasting okay, eight live to four thirty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but in studio today we have our a, our a recurring guest uh, who we haven't had for a while because supposedly on Thursday uh, nights there was something going on. Did you say? Um, Oh, I thought you said past. Sorry. Oh, no, you heard correct. Oh, um, Jay is with us again. <laughs> Happy New Year. Happy New Year. <laughs> I have been considered a past in many circles. That's why I said it. That's right. why I thought, well, Absolutely. this makes sense. No. And, of course, the peanut gallery is still with us again. Ooh, yeah. God bless us, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, just right before we uh, push the record button... Um, I inadvertently triggered David, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, you did. With a headline, groundbreaking <laughs> UFO video just released from the Chilean Navy. Yep. And um, the the eyeballs increased in size. <laughs> what, yes. do you, what do you think? You, you, you've already, in the last four and a half minutes, have uh, gone and found it on the interweb. Yeah. Yeah? What do you think? Well... Basically, it's, it looked like it was a thermal video of something that was releasing something into the air. <clears throat> so it so looked, you don't think it was a UFO? No, I, uh, obviously. Uh, clearly it was a UFO. It was, it was UFO. actually reported correctly. Yeah, I don't think it, it, it was an extraterrestrial Why? vehicle. Now, How do you know this? It, I don't, I, I'm not saying it's not an interdimensional vehicle, but... I don't believe that it came from a planet other than Earth in our universe. <clears throat> and the reason why? Do you want to know why? Because Sure, why not? Okay, I'll tell you why. Because there's probably no other planet 
in the entire universe that can harbor life. That you know of? No, it's because of the parameters that are increasing every single year. They're discovering more and more things. Right now, you need nine specific things in very uh, finite and narrow bands around certain type of suns in order for advanced life to, to exist. Nine of them. They just discovered another one this year. And <clears throat> so anytime that you, that you hear scientists say, hey, there's perhaps a habitable planet, that what they're saying is there's a planet within the uh, liquid water zone around a star. But there's eight other parameters that have to be met in order for there to be advanced life. <clears throat> and more and more physicists and astrophysicists are coming to this conclusion. But isn't that based off of the scientific premise that advanced life only exists in the form that we are? Yeah. and the So there could be a form that's adapted no. to a different type of... Oh. No. No, there couldn't be. Okay. There couldn't be. I mean, we could... I mean... <laughs> Mr. Ed, you talk, a planet filled with talking horses? <clears throat> no, there can't be, because you need carbon and you need water because of the um, characteristics that they have. Well, now I'm on the same mm -hmm. boat. Yeah. Um, but playing the playing the devil's advocate role. Okay. At one point, we were scientists. Not we. Scientists were mm -hmm. convinced that. It was impossible for anything to live below a certain depth in the ocean because of pressure, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Well, they figured out since that's not true because there's things that have microbes. Yeah. There's there's things that have adapted to that pressure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if we've identified that that isn't true, because there is something that's adapted to that pressure and lack of oxygen then why couldn't there be an organism elsewhere obviously you did not you did not actually listen to what i was saying you you heard you it speaking? but you didn't listen earlier i said advanced life now there are microbes down there but are there little microbe cities with little microbe cars have that you are been driving down there? around <clears throat> no but people have been down there people yes <clears throat> i don't think so you don't think you don't think anybody's gone Thirty-five thousand feet below. David's gonna have a coronary. Let's see if we can make this happen. Ready? No, they've never been there. Oh, okay, all right. Or the moon. <clears throat> that happened in studio. We all know that. <laughs> no, but uh, my my point is, is that uh, people for the past however many years have been uh, just assuming that there's trillions of civilizations out there, but they're not taking into consideration the requirements that are needed in order for there to be advanced life. There's a, Alan. What? Would you, would you Google comedian Jake Johansson? Like, okay. Jake Johansson has a small skit on beaming cops to outer space. And I think it would be appropriate to play at this segment. Are you sure? Oh, I'm fairly confident. What's his name? Jake Johansson. Jake Johansson. Is that three names? Jake no. Johansson, yes. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if this is it, but... Is this it? it, it it's something. <laughs> I don't 
so I'm going to have to just start right in telling you about myself. I, I hope that doesn't seem rude, but there's not going to be a time to do you. It's just me. Um, so I'm a, I, have a fa I have a family. I just kind of realized recently I have, I have my own family. I have my own family. You know, I mean, it's been going on for a while. My daughter is eight. But uh, I have a wife and a daughter, and that's my, this my the space family. This is video. Fam you know, it, it feels different from that family that you're born into. Sorry, right? hold on. Let's Those see. people. There's like a minute and a half clip called Space Travelers. Minute and a half. Uh, half. Minute and a half. Ish. Ish. Where? Hold on. Send it to me. I'm going. To. Oh, brother. Sorry. We're starting this year out. Awesome. <laughs> this show is just upped its game in production right now. It has. Because now we have comedy. <laughs> it's oh, funny no. indeed. We have the potential for comedy. Sorry Great potential. That. All right, it's keep like potential going. potential energy. David, keep talking about how we can't have advanced life somewhere else. Okay, we can't have advanced life somewhere else. So, so when so I looked at that. So is your thought you can't... Oh, oh, carry on. Yeah, when you looked at no, that. No, what were you going to say? No, no, you. So when I looked at that, I thought, um, okay, it's UFO. Mm -hmm. But um, even if there was advanced life somewhere in the universe, it would have to be hundreds at least thousands of light years away. Mm -hmm. And you cannot, unless you do some kind of weird interdimensional travel using a physics that nobody's aware of, you cannot travel that fast. You cannot travel. Now, in Star You've Trek... You've never seen Star Trek before. <laughs> yeah, Star Trek and Star Wars, they can go faster than the speed of light. But... <clears throat> If you were going even half the speed of light and you hit a pebble, it would disintegrate your uh, your spacecraft. <clears throat> Not only that, even if it took 100 years for them to get here, can you imagine what person is going to go into a spacecraft and travel for 100 years eventually... They're going to have to have children, and they aren't going to be the ones that are no, going to no. arrive. See, I, I think that you are <clears throat> assuming or presuming, I don't know, I don't know which one, uh -huh. that that potential alien life form is identical to us. Or um, similar. Or it would similar, have to be right. similar. Why? Why? Because of the fundamental uh, characteristics of carbon and water. But that's how our life that's is That's how sustained. Earth works, but does okay. that mean... But but there's nothing. there's nothing else... That life, uh, there's no other elements that work like Here, that. No, right? anywhere in the universe. That we know How do we of. know you, this? Have, you been, you have at, we been out there? When you look at the periodic table. But that's Here. our periodic right. table. Yes. Are, are, what if this you, alternate you, the, the life force has a totally different so, periodic okay, table? Okay. What if everything is completely different so than then everything you're saying that you know? If it maybe out there the laws of physics don't apply right there like they do here. Well, that's like well, saying, if that's the case, okay. then there is there is a planet with unicorns and leprechauns. So uh, then it that's changes. Silly. Those are that, carbon based. That, that, <laughs> that changes. Not not unicorns. They're made out of uh, skittles. So uh, somewhere out there, if it's a different form of physics. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, 
if we've Physics got a are... hovering saucer, if we've got yes. these these things that can just appear, uh, couldn't they have some different um, properties? Of course they do. So all I'm saying. So, so here's what what's I'm fun saying. Is, I'm saying they didn't come from another planet in our universe. I'm not saying that they're not interdimensional. I'm saying they didn't come from another planet in our universe. See, I get that's that. what I'm saying. I'm in that book. Huh. I get that. So you think they're here with us now? And um, they, they show themselves. There are other big creatures. Foot. Potentially, yeah, absolutely. I think all of that stuff, if it's not of human origin, is interdimensional. That's my point. Okay. Not good point. Maybe. Hello, hi. Technology today is awesome. Thank you. I feel pretty good. You know, now we don't have much uh, time now after all that uh, applause. Oh. Um, <laughs> so let me just get right to the point. I'll, let me tell you what's uh, uh, what I've been worried about. We, as a planet, Earth. Anybody? Um, <laughs> Here's the thing. We have been sending messages into outer space to extraterrestrials. We're trying to communicate with aliens, and basically, our message is, hey, here we are. Come on down. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a bad idea. <laughs> and I have some people who agree with me, but I'll tell you why. We are here, and we can't go. If they can come here, they're smarter than us. We can't go, go, they're intergalactic space travelers, you know? Why would they even want to come here? It'd be like if you got a note from your dog. <laughs> <laughs> Meet me in the yard. <laughs> this was gonna be the, my next point. <laughs> You'd have to wonder what this is about, <laughs> you know? So. If they can come here, they're smarter than us, and then they know they're smarter than us, too, because we've been beaming cops into outer space. So they know they're smarter. They're probably gonna call us up as a, as a joke and say, hey, here's where we are. Why don't you come on up, you know? What are we gonna say back to that, you know? How about we meet you on the moon? Uh, right, it's not that impressive, the moon, and uh, especially when you consider we can only send three guys, and one of them has to wait in the car. So. That's, that's what I've been worried about. Um. So beaming cops, you looked perplexed. Sorry, I must Yeah, I was perplexed enough. about that. At one point, there was this news story that we were actually beaming the television show Cops. Oh, oh okay. Gotcha. Okay. okay. As a signal up into outer space. <laughs> I gotcha. So that would entice them? Is that the theory? I don't know. It was like <laughs> one of those weird things that people do, you know. But this is this he has a very good point. You're going to travel hair thousands of light years to come here and then you're not going to tell anybody. Even though you have to be magnitudes smarter and more powerful, you're not going to tell anybody and then every so often you're going to like abduct a person and then do weird sexual things to them. Would you like and a then donut? send them back? No, a donut might feel no. better. Sugar, <laughs> sugar. So this is why there is no way these things are from our universe. So we have a new president coming in a couple weeks. Was this a segue? What? What? I'm sorry. Pardon me. Ooh, ooh. You know what? I'm I'm trying, to, that, I'm trying to I'm trying to slow aliens, your heart rate. Speaking of aliens, <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, we will. I haven't decided yet. If well, we maybe should do maybe a, Trump will build a wall around the world, and that, then make the aliens pay make for the it. Aliens isn't that the pay Truman for it. Show. This already happened. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. 
Hmm. That's what I think. What were See, you going to say? That was fun. <laughs> that was fun. I knew this okay, would go somewhere I'm gonna fun. I'm going to quote Rambo right now. Oh, do tell. Okay. You drew first blood, not me. So, thank you. <clears throat> You're the one who brought it up. You're the one who brought it up. Yeah, no, that's Alan's fault. That's not my fault. Yeah, no, it's not but, my fault. See, I knew your position, <laughs> so it was really fun to just push some of those buttons. Watch because, my blood pressure go off. Because I actually, <laughs> we're on the same page. I agree. We've had talks about this. I agree. I, I agree with you. You and David have? Oh, yes. Mm. Yeah. We're kind, of, <laughs> we're kind of in the same camp on this one. It's okay. Okay, then. Let's go there for a second. Okay. With the UFO world. Uh, did we go to the moon? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I believe that. I believe we did. Why? Uh, what, what would be the point? And why, then, have we not gone back? I don't know. That I don't know. Well, then why did we go? To flex our muscles? Because it was there. Because we needed microwave ovens. So the moon did that. And GPS. We needed GPS. GPS. Yep. We used that technology... We developed that technology. Actually, to be honest with you, I say, yeah, I think we did that, but I have no yeah, idea. I'm, I'm, I really don't. I'm with Jay here. Hmm. And what? furthermore, I don't care. Yeah. No. I mean, I... The real thing I do care about is we spend trillions of dollars on a space program. For what? Um, because my insurance deductible is too high. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't you seen um, The Dark Side of the Moon? Um, you mean from Pink Floyd? Yeah, no. The the movie Transformers. Oh no, no, no I have you not think watched that's all any fiction? of them. Transformers? You think that's all fiction? I I haven't watched it, so I'm not like what Transformers movie? No, I'm not. Th- it's new. Eye. Yeah, new, I like I never six. watched. They still have any. those movies. Oh, I get. Yeah, it's cool. The CG is awesome now. So yeah. I, I never watched I'm Fast up and Furious that. either. I didn't either. I watched oh, the first okay. one. Oh man, yeah, I may have watched the first one I never once, did. but then I never cared. It's Van Diesel, him and uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. DiCaprio. Yeah, I'm yeah. not like a fan. I didn't of know he was in those. He's not. I'm just saying. I'm He's not just a equating fan. the two that he doesn't like one, and that means he doesn't like the other. I think. Understood. Yeah. <laughs> Although, like on the physical spectrum, they're opposites. Yep. Yep. Physical Scurny drug addict, and then ripped, uh, bald headed guy. Bald headed. Jewish guy, right? I don't care. Really? <clears throat> I think he's Jewish. What's right? that got to do with anything? Diesel? It's not a Jewish name, is it? No, but it's but close it is to fuel. Saudi Arabia. <laughs> it's fuel. There's Isra- oil there. Israel's close to Saudi Arabia, so True. that's the connection, I think. <clears throat> There's oil in Israel. And is that his real name, Van Diesel? I don't know. Should we ask him? Van. Let's call him up. It's Van. Van. Van, yeah. Oh, he's, Vin. A, he's a pair of See, shoes. See, there you go. And if maybe I had it's Vince. known, if I had known, maybe I would have watched it. Maybe it's Vincent. Him. But that would mean he's gay. Happy. Yeah. You need a cricket sound. I mean happy. Oh. What I meant is happy. What what did you mean? Or do I? <laughs> there we Peanut go. gallery. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That was kind of painful. <laughs> Well, I'm sorry, David. Kind of, but it was the it was entertaining. <laughs> no, no, I I I find it uh, entertaining, obviously. Well, it's like missing nine one or missing four one one. You know, all these people going missing. Mm. Something's out there. Mm-hmm. We don't know what it is. We don't know what's causing a lot of different things that happen. You know. You know. 
Okay. Sanders.senate.gov. That is the, I believe, the official website web address of Bernie Sanders. Oh. Ooh. To transition. Yeah. Oh, um, he's transitioning. Oh, here. At his age? Wow. <laughs> there you go. There, there you go. Now, are we going I gotta to... I got to get the Trump sound back. That's not it. He's That's... enrolled in Baylor University, so it's now paid for by the insurance. Who is enrolled? Bernie Sanders? What? He's a Baptist? I thought he we was We were talking Jewish. about transitioning. <laughs> I went squirrel. to squirrel. <laughs> he went to squirrel. I went to wow. squirrel, and then took a sharp left at butterfly. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Oh, okay. I see. I see. Um, these. This is a PDF. Uh, a Bernie Sanders summary of Sanders College for All Act. Ooh. There's some bullet points here. Everybody like- gets college. <laughs> And a unicorn. Is this going to be like healthcare for everyone? Are we going to go down the same road? So we eliminate undergraduate tuition at four-year public colleges and universities. This legislation would provide $47 billion per year to states to eliminate undergraduate tuition and fees at public colleges and universities. Today, total tuition at public colleges and universities amounts to about $70 billion per year. Under the College for All Act... The federal government would cover 67% of this cost, while the states would be responsible for the remaining 33%. To qualify for federal funding, states must meet a number of requirements designed to protect students, ensure quality, and reduce ballooning costs. States will need to maintain spending on their higher education systems, on academic instruction, and on on need-based financial aid. Wait a second. It is financial aid. This whole thing is financial aid. In addition, colleges and universities must reduce their reliance on low-paid adjunct faculty. What? Yeah. What? Most reduce the f- their reliance on the on low-paid. What does adjunct mean? It means they're not. They're they're not actual. They're like contractors. Ooh. States would be able to to use funding to increase academic opportunities for students, hire new faculty. And provide professional development opportunities for professors. I used to be an adjunct professor. No, I did <laughs> well, for uh, college. Oh, you're like a con- so. Is this like a defense contractors for education? You no, know, it's like um, okay, we need we need somebody who's going to teach this English 101. Okay, you got a master's degree or, or a PhD in English. You sign this contract, you get four thousand dollars. For this course, and then you come in and you teach the course and you get a certain amount of money or whatever it Keeps is. Keeps the uh, college from having to hire an employee. Yeah, so that you're n- you're not an employee, you're a contractor. It's Well, let's go back and read this again. To qualify for federal funding, this is the state, for, I assume for the state to qualify, uh, they must meet a number of requirements designed to protect students, ensure quality, and reduce ballooning costs. So they're only going to get 33% of the $47 billion a year, right? No, the 47 is is 66% of the 70. 67%. Or 67. Right. So that <laughs> that is the money the feds will pay? Yeah. And then the other $23 billion the states will pay. Out of what? Out of their pockets. Are they going to get a grant from the feds? So then the feds are going to be paying this one, then they're going to be giving it to the no. state to pay the other no. side? No. Your, your taxes will go up. Your state taxes. Your income tax. 
But to I don't is, he, is he talking about? Let's maybe bypass some of the stupid minute details. Is he also talking about? Is he talking about university only? Um, <laughs> public colleges question. and universities. Okay. Well, what about what about trade schools? That's not specifically laid out. But aren't trade aren't trade schools considered? That doesn't count though. Does community it? college or something? similar. So maybe. All right. So now let's go to student loan reforms. That was the first part, which was the eliminate I'm all undergraduate for this tuition. Student loan reform. Restoration of historically low student loan interest rates. Uh, for college, uh, for uh, the College for All Act would lower student loan interest rates by restoring the formula, which was in effect until 06. Student loan rates, student loan interest rates would be cut almost in half for undergraduate students, dropping from 432 two percent to just 2.32 percent that's not exactly in half bernie but okay uh in addition the legislation would ensure rates never rise above 8.25 what they're yeah. gonna cut it to 2.32 but then it will never go higher than 8.25 well what the, the reason why is that if you have a bunch of student loans and you default on them they're not dischargeable in bankruptcy, so then they can they can um, increase it to like thirty percent. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Student loans are the only loan that cannot be discharged in bankruptcy. And see, that's one thing that they need to do. The other thing is, if you have kids, I know that there are a lot of kids out there that like, uh, okay, I'm getting nine thousand dollars on student loans. Um, that's great. And whether or not they need it or not, they're mm -hmm. going to take it and they might buy a car with it or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It should be if you get a student loan, that money goes directly to the college. You don't see it at all. It doesn't go into your oh, pocket. Right. Okay. It pays yeah. for your dorm or whatever it is. Uh, student loan refinancing is another point. The College for All Act would enable borrowers to refinance their loans based on the interest rates available to current students. Work-study reforms. Today, the federal work-study program receives less than $1 billion per year and serves nearly 700,000 students. This legislation would expand the number of students and colleges that can offer part-time employment and participate in the federal work-study program and focus funding on schools that enroll high numbers of low-income students. And then simplifying the student aid application process. This bill would create a pilot program to eliminate the requirement that students reapply for financial aid each year, simplifying the application process and removing significant barriers faced by low-income students. So why bother with these things if the first point is we're not going to have to pay for it? What's the point of this then? Bargaining power in the you legislative bill. You know, that's a bill. really good point. <laughs> If the point is free tuition, why do we need to worry about oh. making the application process for the loan Yeah, lower? but uh, but you still have to pay for the dorm and whatnot if well, tuition why? is free. Why? Because it, uh, people no. might not be able to pay no, for it. No, if they're giving me the education, shouldn't I just be able to go there too? So that so basically you're saying free. The, why not? the dorm and why the not? food should all that's be all, wrapped well, into one. That's what everyone does or a lot of people do with their financial aid now, yeah. don't they? Sure. But then I think it would probably double or maybe triple the total amount, maybe. Um, and this intrigues me that um, they're using this language <laughs> for real. Because this is from sanders.senate.gov. And as far as I know, that's his actual website. Um, fully paid for by imposing a Robin Hood tax on Wall Street. They named it that. Wow. So we're going to steal. Why don't they just call it the communist 
I mean, because the same no, but thing. But Robin Hood's cool. Okay. I, mean, I like Robin Hood. It's fun. He's and a he fox. got the chick. He got the girl. Mm. Even though in the cartoon version, he's it's a fox. That's yeah, creepy. that's true. That's it's, true. It's not sexy. No. This legislation is offset by imposing a Wall Street speculation fee. Because I think, don't foxes eat carrion? <laughs> that's, I didn't see oh, that. Just like our, the, our national sorry. bird does, too. Yeah, true. Good They're point. Terrible sorry. animals. Foul. I interrupted. I apologize. This legislation is offset by imposing a Wall Street speculation fee on investment houses, hedge funds, and other speculators of 0.5% of stock trades. Really? 50 cents for every $100 worth of stock. A 0.1% fee on bonds and a 0.005% fee on derivatives. But oh, 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 but oh, like oh, wait, maybe this. Sorry. Go ahead. 80% of all or it used to be 80%, I'm sure it's probably more is electric electronically traded. It's computer generated uh trades. Shh. But the houses manage it. So a uh, computer programmer, man. <laughs> well, yeah. <clears throat> so maybe the financial aid reform is for those people that currently have open financial So aid. they're screwed. Right. Un- so I'm going to so pay everyone for knew. your exactly. college. Right. But the college debt that mm-hmm. I just graduated mm-hmm. with last too year. Bad. Too bad, too bad. You can refinance it. Maybe you can't that's, get rid of it with maybe, bankruptcy, but you can refinance it. I don't it. know. I... I have a, about 63 seconds of knowledge on this subject. Ooh. So I'm thinking that... Uh, There's over a trillion dollars worth of student loan debt right now. That they're never going to get. I mean, at, at this rate, at the rates of... and that, Okay, it's growing. What's what's college cost now? 30 grand a year at minimum? Uh, um, state university? university? Well, I would think no, that no, would no, no, not no. just tuition. That would be with everything, maybe. That's everything. Hold maybe on. 20 or 30? S- look that up. I'll give you. Um, I'll give you an answer. Real it has quick. been estimated that this provision, the uh, Robin Hood tax, could 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 raise hundreds of billions a year, which could be used not only to make tuition free at public colleges and universities, it could also be used to create millions of jobs and rebuild the middle class of this country. How? By giving them money? That's not a job. Well, plus, how is it giving him a job to steal money from rich people? This is what the communists always do, ah. and the socialists all, always ah. do. Thanks, they Obama. say raise the taxes as if nothing else will change. Right, right. But if you start raising those taxes, you know, uh, rich people aren't just going to go, huh? Wow, you know, I'm making less money. Oh, too bad. No, they're going to pass it on. Of course, they're going to pass it on. No, they're making and the we same don't... money. They're just keeping less of it. Uh huh. Yeah, they want to keep the same amount or more. Or more. Yeah. So, so tuition itself, here's a just an interesting thought. If you include room, board, books, other, you're looking at close to 30 grand a year. Beer, too? Okay. That's other. Okay. I think it's nice. underestimated here. But here's <laughs> what is interesting. Let's think about this, though. School finance reform. Um, every state university has in-state tuition and out-of-state tuition. And the reason for that is the presumption that if you live in state, you've paid taxes, which goes towards the school system because it's already a subsidized system. So you're getting a little bit lower? Is that so the theory? The, well, well, a lot lower. A lot lower, like a third lower. Oh, if you are a resident. If you're a resident of the right. state. So I guess the idea is they're just going to increase the subsidies going to the schools to decrease the tuition because they're already getting... So part of your income tax already goes to public school system, which includes university. 
So they're just going to increase the subsidies that are currently going to the school. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. Kind of, but will the universities actually like trickle, trickle that down? Well, I guess they'll have to. They <laughs> do They do now. Well, kind of. <clears throat> I mean, I don't know. I think it's ridiculous to sit to, yes, for people to go to college and come out with 50, 60 grand in right. at minimum. But totally. what, what it, uh, I read somewhere that the average, I want to say this is probably 10 years old, but I seem to recall the average four year, the average bachelor degree graduate mm-hmm. maintains their student loan debt until age 52. That's outrageous. I'm not sure. I better, do, 20, I better fact 20 check plus that. years, huh? Well, it's basically a house. I mean, they basically. Oh, the amount of hours. Yeah, that makes sense. If you come out of school and you're fifty grand, sixty grand in debt, and you're just starting out, yeah, I mean you're going to defer it as much as you can, because that's the best that they can hope for if they don't have a job. Is maybe you get a deferment every six months or something, you know. Matt Walsh wrote regarding Sanders's thing. He says, Bernie Sanders suggested this week that college graduates should not only have their student loans erased, but apparently they should be provided with affordable houses on top of it. This can go nicely, this can go along nicely with the free birth control and free health care they require. Now, is there anything else we can get them? A free car. Free massage. Car. Free foot rubs. <laughs> um, dog. You know, one of those, one of those service dogs. Uh, he talk, he he mentions in his podcast, but he says, uh, "I'm he, uh, the first point that he makes uh, as it pertains to college is a very simple but very important. Here it is: if you can't afford college, don't go to college. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. That really applies to everything in life. If you can't afford it, don't do it. The dumbest and most irresponsible things to it, thing is to buy the thing you can't afford and then complain after you've already purchased it that you can't afford it. But people will say, but we have to go to college. No, you don't." You don't have to go. You won't die if you don't go. There are many paths one can take in life and many ways to educate oneself and find success in life. If you choose the college route, great, but don't assume the financial responsibility if you are not prepared to see it through. Your college debt is your problem. Be an adult and deal with it. Here's here's my problem, not necessarily with uh, Matt Walsh, but when your parents tell you you have to go to college, when your teachers school tell, system you, tell you and right. your guidance counselor tells you and all your friends are going there and the the tv tells you that when everybody tells you that and then you go there and you come out with fifty thousand dollars in debt they shouldn't go oh you should have been an adult and just suck it up i mean to me this is a societal problem that needs to be dealt with so i mean i get his point you know stop whining but in a much bigger sense Let's um, stop trying to force our so, kids yeah. that they have to do this. Yeah. Well, real quick, Alan, did you do you have a college degree? No. Okay, I don't either. Well, associates doesn't count. Do you? Yes. David? Okay. Do do you attribute what you currently do for a living because of that? It, a little bit. Okay. All right. I sort I, of. I don't. I, I don't. I mean, I do, I have an associate's degree. I think with, but with I didn't. I didn't really go to college. I, a lot of that was credit from military service. M- most of the jobs that I've had, I think it helped. But anyways, what were you going to say? And my degree has nothing to do with with what I do for a living. 
So it's not even the same ballpark. But don't you think it helped a little bit? No. Not at all? Zero. Zero? Nope. My college degree was earned this way. I joined the Air Force Mm -hmm. right out of high school. I spent eight years. During those eight years, I had to take different classes while I was in the Air Force. Some of those qualified for college credit. A year and a half before I got out, I was told, you're two classes short of your associate's degree. So one of the classes, I took a test and bypassed the class. The other one was um, like some interpersonal social skill class that you had to go to. How many times did you have to take that before you passed? <laughs> so I got an associate's so degree. This, uh, I got an associate's this degree. This is the David Allen yeah. show. <laughs> so I ended up with an associate's degree in financial management and eight years of military experience. And I'm a technology director. Hmm. You own a thriving, successful business and you've been in the same building for 10 years? Eight, almost nine. Eight, nine years. You've owned the business for that long. Cash flow positive, I assume? At this point, yeah. Okay. No degree. No. So why? So I've got a 16-year-old daughter mm-hmm. <clears throat> who's a junior in high school. And for the last two years, this uh, three years, this will be the third, no, two years. So this is her second year. The school sends all the kids sophomores, juniors, and then they do it again for seniors to a state college campus. And they have to to, check it out and go tour it to check it out, to tour it. They have campus always has booths set up and they have to go, they get little homework that they have to do and, you know, go find this career and ask this question. And long story short, this is the second year she's come back almost in tears thinking that she has to figure out where to go to school. Mm Mm-hmm. She has to figure out how to move out on her own to go to school when she's 18, and she doesn't know how. My daughter happens to have a, a learning disability that's minor, but it's enough that she's got to use some tutoring in high school. So the reality of her graduating with a bachelor's degree are probably pretty slim. That's just her cut in life, right? But when we try to explain that to her, She's convinced that the only path in life is to go to an on-campus university. Mm -hmm. So I took her to a community college and showed her, this is your choice. You could do this. You can stay at home. You can take a class online. You can drive in and take a couple of classes. They've got tutors that you can use. Do this for a couple years and decide where you want to go. She's been convinced through the schooling process that that is second rate. It's not the right way to go. Her peers think that it's second rate. Her teachers keep talking about how you've got to figure out how to go to university. So now they actually, at university, have specialists for kids that have learning disabilities so that you can go through college. So they can get tuition. Really? No, so you can go to college. No, but but so they can get the tuition. I would imagine the school gets a subsidy. Yeah. So you essentially get kids... And, and I do not mean this negative in any way, but you get kids that are in the special education program in high school that become, they don't call it this in college, but a special education program in mm-hmm. college to get a degree. Why? Home school. Why? Hmm. Yeah. 
But why? You can homeschool college now. There's no way to get a college degree through homeschool. Yeah. Is there? Not, not that I know of. Well, yeah, you go online. Or you or Phoenix. But you're still taking yeah, a class. You're still, doing you're still taking yeah. a class. You could do University of Phoenix at, yeah. what, 40 grand a year? Probably. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they have lo- they have a lot of... you. I mean, there are quite a few degrees that you can do most, if not all of it, online. Right. But you still have to take the class. I mean, sure, you could hire somebody to pass the test for you and get a piece of paper. Oh, I see your point. I but see your point. is my daughter going to be capable? Would mm-hmm. your son be capable of going to University of Phoenix? Uh, No. Okay. Well, my daughter would not either. Yeah. I mean, she's very high functioning, and her learning disorder yep. is not going to prohibit her from being successful in life. Yeah. I know that. I can see what she's capable of, but she's not going to be capable of getting a college degree. Mm-hmm. And she is convinced that she's got to go to university. And this is strictly from the it school system. It is 100% yeah. from the school system. Oh, it is yeah. force-fed down her throat. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. Well, I had I sat down with our uh, local principal for the high school here a couple of years ago. And that was kind of a, I, I roundabout asked the question, is do we focus a lot um, on telling these kids that they have to go to, to like, you 18 you graduate and then the next step is instantly you need to know where you're going and what you're going to do and you have to go to college and surprisingly he said well that's not always the best option for everyone which surprised me because that is not typically the line you get from public education that's the unofficial line that you get from everybody but the official line that gets pushed through the announcement and pa system we got a college tour coming up and here, you need help with the financial aid papers? We got it. Well, but people don't think independently at all, well, or very little. No, they get force-fed from CNN. It's, it's more that what, what bugs me more about the process is that my, my daughter's now been trained that if she takes classes at a community college and lives at home with her parents mm, while doing so, failing. somehow that's less than. So I can show, I've shown her the evidence that taking English 101 at – a community college 60 miles from us mm-hmm. is the identical class as taking English 101 at the state university. But in her mind, it's less than mm-hmm. it's not the same. It's less than it's. Um, I think at least at the start of this big push, it seems to me that they looked at the correlation of success and they saw a lot of successful people went to college, and they correlated going to college with being successful. Well, I, I, I feel it comes out of what the the end goal is. What do we need or want? Well, yes. And the industrialized society yes, says that's what we need to, robots to work on yes. an assembly line to build our machines. That's why we have the schools the way they right. are. So how yes. do you do that? Well, you create the cookie-cutter system that creates a robot, yeah. a mind-numbed robot that... You eliminate all the creativity, and then you tell them you need to put this bolt on A, and then you turn it five times, and then get this. the next person does the next step. You do step A. You do step B. I think that's our problem. And there's all this peer pressure that says that if you do it differently, that there's something wrong with you. But I think that the narrative initially was that there is a correlation between being successful and having a college degree. And actually, probably what the correlation was is that you had certain people, certain characteristics, certain character traits, and uh, stick-to-itiveness and whatnot, that even if there was no option for college, they still would have been successful. So you're looking at the end result and assuming it's one thing, but it's actually the person himself. 
<clears throat> because I know right now in this town that we are sitting in right now, that if you came out of college at 18 or out of high school at 18 years old and you started working at the cheese factory and you worked as many hours as you could and you saved your money and invested it or bought a house and fixed up the house and then paid it off and rented it out or whatever, by the time you're 40, you could probably be a millionaire easily, easily if you are hardworking without, without a stitch of college. So, uh, but you know why that doesn't happen? Because we ingrain into our exactly. kids in society that if you go work at the cheese factory, you're less than. Yes, exactly. So the whole mentality is if I go work there, I'm less than. I'm expected to be less than, and I'm expected not to own a house. I'm expected to rent a house and go spend my money at the liquor store. Yep. That's a huge stereotype and generalization, and it's, it's not the case for everybody. But we've taught people where college used to be a separator. It used to be an elitist mentality. Now college is expected to be the standard. So where people used to go work as an apprentice for a plumber, and after two years of being an apprentice and basically doing nothing but, but sandpapering the end of pipes, then they would get to work on the pipes for another two years. Then they could go open their own plumbing business and they would own it. Mm-hmm. That's less than today. Mm -hmm. And we treat them as less than, and they're beneath us. And somehow, if you're a plumber, that's bad. If you're a mechanic, it's bad. I had a great story recently, uh, I love telling it, of a little girl who was uh, in a drawing lesson. She was six, and she was at the back drawing. And the, the teacher said, this little girl hardly ever paid attention. And in this drawing lesson, she did. And uh, the teacher was fascinated. She went over to her, and she said, what are you drawing? And the girl said, I'm drawing a picture of God. And the teacher said, but nobody knows what God looks like. And the girl said, they will in a minute. <laughs> when, <laughs> when my son was four in England, actually he was four everywhere, to be honest. I mean, <laughs> We're being strict about it. Wherever he went, he was four that year. But he was in the nativity play. Do you remember the story? <laughs> no, it was big. It was a big story. Mel Gibson did the sequel. You may have seen it. I don't know. <laughs> nativity 2. But um, James got the part of Joseph, which we were thrilled about. We consider this to be one of the lead parts. Uh, we had the place crammed full of agents and T-shirts. You know, James Robinson is Joseph. Uh, we had. He didn't have to speak. But do you know the bit where the three kings come in? Now, they come in bearing gifts, and they, they bring gold, frankincense, and mare. This really happened. We're sitting there, and they, I think, just went out of sequence. Because we talked to the little boy afterwards and said, you know, are you okay with that? And they said, yeah, why was that wrong? They just switched. I think that was it. Anyway, the three boys came in, little four-year-olds with tea towels on their heads, and they put these boxes down. The first boy said, I bring you gold. And the second boy said, I bring you mare. And the third boy said, Frank sent this. <laughs> 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 what these things have in common is that kids will take a chance. You know, if they don't know, they'll have a go. Am I right? They're not frightened of being wrong. Now, I don't mean to say that being wrong is the same thing as being creative. What we do know is, if you're not prepared to be wrong, you'll never come up with anything original. Yes! If you're not prepared to be wrong. And by the time they get to be adults, most kids have lost that capacity. 
Uh, they have become frightened of being wrong. And we run our companies this, by the way. We stigmatize mistakes. And we're now running national education systems where mistakes are the worst thing you can make. And the result is that we are educating people out of their creative capacities. Yes. Picasso yes. once said this. He said that all children are born artists. The problem is to remain an artist as we grow up. I believe this passionately, that we don't grow into creativity, we grow out of it. I agree. Or rather, oh, yeah. we get educated out of it. So why is this? Um, uh, I lived in Stratford-on-Avon uh, until about five years ago. In fact, we moved from Stratford to Los Angeles. So you can imagine what a seamless transition you know, this was from... <laughs> This is uh, Sir Ken Robinson. Uh, it's a TED talk he did in 2006. Um, it's mm. called um, Do Schools Kill Creativity? And I thought this, this part of it is just... Well, the whole thing is fantastic. Um, but it's just great. Shakespeare being seven. I never thought of it. I mean, he was seven at some point. He was in somebody's English class, wasn't he? Do you understand? How annoying would that be? You know? <laughs> really. oh, Shakespeare again. Put your hand down. <laughs> Must try harder. The, um, <laughs> being sent to bed by his dad, you know, to Shakespeare. Go to bed now, you know, to William Shakespeare. You know, and put the pencil down. You know, and stop speaking like that. You know, it's... It's... It's confusing everybody. Anyway, um, we moved from Stratford to Los Angeles, and I just want to say a word about the transition. Actually, my son uh, didn't want to come. I've got two kids. Uh, he's 21 now, and my daughter's 16. He didn't want to come uh, to Los Angeles. He loved it, but he had a girlfriend in England. Uh, this, this was the love of his life, Sarah. He'd known her for a month. <laughs> Mind you, they'd had their fourth anniversary. Because <laughs> it's a long time when you're 16. Anyway, he was really upset on the plane. He said, I'll never find another girl like Sarah. And we were rather pleased about that, frankly, because... <laughs> she was... <laughs> I hope she doesn't watch the TED Talk. <laughs> she was the main reason we were leaving the country. <laughs> but, uh... But something strikes you when you move to America and when you travel around the world. Every education system on earth has the same hierarchy of subjects. Everyone, doesn't matter where you go, you think it would be otherwise, but it isn't. At the top are mathematics and languages, then the humanities and the bottom are the arts, everywhere on earth. And in pretty much every system too, there's a hierarchy within the arts. Art and music are normally given a higher status in schools than drama and dance. There isn't an education system on the planet that teaches dance every day to children the way we teach them mathematics. Why? Why not? I think this is rather important. I think maths is very important, but so is dance. Children dance all the time, if they're allowed to. We all do. We all have bodies, don't we? Yeah. Did I miss a meeting? I mean, I think... <laughs> Truthfully, what happens is, as children grow up, we start to educate them progressively from the waist up. And then we focus on their heads, and slightly to one side. If you were to visit education as an alien and say, what's it for, public education, I think you'd have to conclude, if you look at the output, you know, who really succeeds by this, who does everything they should, who gets all the brownie points, you know, who are the winners? I think you'd have to conclude the whole purpose of public education throughout the world is to produce university professors. Hmm. <laughs> huh. 
I I totally agree. Yeah. I totally agree. <clears throat> that he, he, there are a series of three talks he's done over the last ten years. Uh, Ken Robinson just his the the way he breaks down the, the I think the pitfalls and the issues with the way we think about education uh, is just fantastic. And it's to me it is pointing everything at uh, you. Homeschool is fantastic because you can adapt. You can create the the method that works. Yeah, because schools, when you have 19, 20 kids in a room, you cannot adapt to every kid's um, method and their personality and their needs. You can't do it. And I mean, in any educational system, you have to prove that you have to uh, teach that there are absolute values, that some things are absolutely true. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's just a subset of what's going on. You you also uh, want to make them more than than what they are, rather than forcing them into um, into a mold. And it seems like that is all we're doing. And and as parents, we do that. And and I don't know if there's any way that you can just totally get o- get away from that because everybody comes to things with certain attitudes on what you know how a person should act and whatnot. But you should be <clears throat> you should try as much as possible to look at the person's personality and say, okay, what is best for this person? How can they thrive um, within the constraints of 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 acceptable behavior, you well, know, based upon scripture and society? Yeah. Well, then what's know? the point of education? I mean, are, are we learning these kids to sit down and be quiet in a group? Uh, but don't is you... Is that the point? It's... So that ultimately the parents' viewpoint, I think, is so they can get a good job. Well, that's exactly it. I had one a conversation a year or so ago with a couple people, uh, and that was it kind of felt like that was the um, underlying piece. Well, don't you want them to be employable? I don't know. Maybe I don't. But Maybe what does I that do. mean? What does it mean? I don't know. Employable because to they, Google? They employable get, to exactly. the cheese factory? Employable exactly. to... Uh, the military, yeah, exactly. Employable to the farmer, because I don't the, know. the truth is, if they're hardworking and they're intelligent, they're, they're always employable. going to be employable. Mm-hmm. It's just what do you think? Now, I th- this irritates me because I see this all the time, and I'm going to sound judgmental, but you tell me if I'm being way out there. Yes. Yep. Okay. <clears throat> Done. Okay. <laughs> it's over. <clears throat> I um. And maybe this is why I am the way I am about things, but I see parents, I see Christian parents who are sincere about their children and what they want, um, the highest priority for them is not to have a child who's conformed into the image of Jesus, but has it, but as a child who has a nice house and mm-hmm. a good retirement mm-hmm. and a couple cars and they go to Jamaica every year and they can they can do those things. Oh yeah, they can give some money and do do a short term mission. But the highest priority in their lives are high good paying jobs that are easy with mm-hmm. a lot of time off. And then they can go to the football game and they can watch TV and they can do all these fun things. And that is what they want for their child. That is the highest goal for their child. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me that in light of eternity, that is garbage. That's playing in a mud puddle when you could be swimming in the ocean, when you want that for your child. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, to me, 
people, there has to be a, a change in the way you're thinking because we are here for just a moment in time. And um, I, I was looking, uh, where did I see it? In a magazine or on, on the internet. Sigourney Weaver. You know who she is? And sure. Yeah, Ghostbusters, like Aliens. Alien movie, yeah. Uh, Galaxy Quest. I mean, I had a crush on her when I was like, she's 67. 67 years old. Sigourney Weaver, 67 years old. I mean, I saw that and I went, <gasps> I'm going, and it just it just showed me. That's not old. Well, oldish. <laughs> Used to be. What's old. the point that she's old? Because she's old. Yeah, I was gonna oh, say, how did that? People are dying. How did that correlate to? This is how it correlates. It's because just a little while ago. I remember watching her in Aliens. Yeah, and she's 25 or 30. Mm -hmm. Now she's 67. In in 13 years, she'll probably be dead. Or in 2016. Oh, wait, that's over. Yeah. yeah. This is the David Allen Show. Uh, Welcome to 2017. DavidAllenShow.com. This is the David Allen Show. It's all right. We got it. We're good. We're good. I like uh, that we, song. We just had a... Yeah, it's fun. Uh, Amy McDonald. It's called This Is The Life. I like it. 
<laughs> She's kind of I, a, like a an Irish Celtic singer. Thing. Oh, yeah. yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, huh? I like Celtic music. I saw her on the uh, uh, a few years back on uh, the Good Top Gear show on the BBC. Okay, you you've talked about this. <clears throat> yeah, I've never seen it. What? So she, oh, she well, don't want you to know. Yeah, is his. Sigourney, Sigourney Weaver. Weaver. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Callback. Well, maybe. No. no, it's kind of fun. Anyway, um, so Sir Ken Robinson, if you're interested, go check out all his TED Talks. They're fantastic. Uh, I really like his his thing. Uh, well, there was something just I know yeah. that we shouldn't segue out of this, but I know, it, you know, David had sent me a podcast a while back. This was a long time ago, probably last summer. Uh, it was somebody talking about how the school education system has changed so much uh, that today, um, if you if you take, oh, let me think. There's a couple points here that are kind of interesting. They don't teach um, cursive writing in school anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's not taught. No need for it. Right, but here's what's fascinating about this. This particular, he was in, he was British, wasn't he? Wasn't he English also? A history Those professor, Brits. wasn't he? No, no. I think he was. Uh, well, he, maybe, but he's a professor in um, University of Wisconsin or something like that. I think it was. Okay, but he might have been British. I can't well, here's remember. what was interesting about what he brought up. If you don't know how to write cursive or read cursive, you can no longer read the founding documents oh, of man. this country. And he said most That's history convenient. books today do not. Word for word translate, they give you the Synopsis. trans the the paraphrased yeah. versions of the founding documents, and he said that every year. So that was an interesting fact I thought of, mm-hmm. or I didn't think of it. I I thought it was an interesting fact, but the other thing he said is that every year he pulls his incoming history class and he gives them a quiz on what they might know about history or not history. And he said, I think it was. As of his talk the year previous, that incoming freshman college history class was the first college class that believed slavery started in America. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Now that's propaganda. Revisionist, huh? And if you believe that, not so you put those two things together. One, America is evil, and you don't know you you're not going to be able to see the original of uh, documents of the founding fathers. You're just going to have to listen to what mm-hmm. is Being poured into to your you. head. Mm-hmm. So you, so it makes it even more difficult for you to, to by yourself find out the truth about America. And then when you do find <clears throat> out the truth, you think it's not the truth because it's so different than what you've been taught your whole life. A uh, little of this transcript farther down in uh, Robinson's talk. Um, it said our education system is predicated on the idea of academic ability. And there's a reason around the world there's no public system of education. Um, there, there was no public systems of education really before the 19th century. They all came into being to meet the needs of industrialism. So the hierarchy is rooted in two ideas. Number one, that the most useful subjects for work are at the top. So you were probably steered benignly away from the things at school that when you from the things at school when you were a kid things you liked on the grounds that you would never get a job doing it is that right don't do music you're not going to be a musician don't do art you won't be an artist uh, benign advice now profoundly mistaken the world the whole world is engulfed in a revolution 
and the second is academic ability, which, was, which has really come to dominate our view of intelligence because the universities designed the system in their image. If you think of it, the whole system of public education around the world is a protracted process of university entrance. Yeah. And I, that's exactly what you're saying yeah. with your daughter. Is the, Her whole education now is you must go to ed- university. You have to go to a university or else you're a failure. College for all? The College for All Act? Yeah. Yeah, free. Yes. It's kind of like Invasion yeah. of the Body Snatchers, you know, if you've ever seen the movie, the kids were, were a lot. They weren't touched. They, it, when they became an adult, then they sucked your soul out and switched you. And it seems like when you were saying that, I was thinking, you know, back in the 16th and the 17th century, if you went to university, it was to become a, a well-educated person, and then you would go and be, and and then learn how to make a job. And it was about becoming a better person, becoming more educated. And now it's all economics. It's all about economics. Well, but even back then, though, you, you learned dance and l- yeah, Latin and different things. To be a well-rounded group. Right, but, but because you ran, you owned people. You controlled them and you took their tax money. The, the work people went and they interned and they apprenticed under actual art, like really artists. Really young. Right. Yeah. And they build up in the, the stonework and in... Uh, I mean, some of the painters, because back then art mattered. I mean, just look at the th- cathedrals. They're, yeah. they're exquisite. They don't make buildings like that anymore. They can't. I just don't think there's the artistic ability to make them anymore. Do you think part of it is because we are out of the industrial revolution at this point? You mean that's why it's the United it's States switching again? You mean? Yeah. That could be. I mean, we really, I mean, for the most part, United States is not predominantly an industrial country anymore right now here's a, a concern i have you know the common core stuff where you where math is kind of taught as ideas rather than hard facts um how does that work when you're building a skyscraper you can't have oh, i mean this this feels right this math you know, th- this equation just feels good well up you to can't th- have that up to this point at least in minnesota you still have to no math, but one thing that I've noticed, uh, because I'm tutoring them every day, is that you have kids that, if it's 17 minus 11, they can't do that in their head. They really? have to use a calculator. Or minus can 2. Can they not do it on paper? Um, they can. Eventually, if you, if, if you took away the calculator, they could do it on paper. But it would take a little bit longer. How but old the, are these kids? Um, Just high eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh grade, but the thing is, I was I was tutoring this one kid, and um, in geometry, and we were doing the angles in a triangle, and you know the three angles in the triangle have to add up to 180, and um, he was doing it in his head, and because um, he was trying to get it done very quickly, mm-hmm. and he was doing it all in his head, and he was getting the right numbers. Uh, the right answers, and <clears throat> I was astonished because this would be, this had been the first kid that I had seen that easily could do it in head, and you could tell he's a very very intelligent kid. He doesn't do very good in school because he doesn't try, but he's very intelligent. Um, and I was just I, I commented about it to him as well because it it is so strange. It is so strange. You know, uh, minus two plus five. 
well, it's plus three, you know, minus two, it's plus three. It's astonishing. So I think, I think, you know, the internet has done things that we're not going to see the repercussions for a while. Yes, and smartphones. Holy cow. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, or, you know, you're writing a paper. You're writing a paper and you need, you need, um, you know, five references. It used to be you'd go to the library and it would take you all day to get five references. In the Dewey Decimal System. In the Dewey Decimal <laughs> System. Ooh, yeah. You might have to go to the microfish and you, now you can get, you can get a hundred in three minutes mm-hmm. with no effort at all. And there has to be that something that can't be good. That can't be good. Well, well, one of the first pieces that Roald Robinson starts out on his in this talk was um, that we have no idea what the future holds, and we're and the education, the mind is we have to educate these kids for the future. We have no idea what it's going to look like. We don't know what five years is going to look like. So yeah. how can we act correctly prepare them? For actual, the future. And they said in um, 2000, let's see, what is it? Uh, this year, this year, where'd it go? 13. Uh, in the next 30 years, more more people worldwide will be graduating through education than since the beginning of history. But will be, they be more educated? Well, exactly, I don't know. Mm. Because it, maybe not. I mean, you've not seen something like the pyramid, Great Pyramids, ever again. Well, more educated. We've we. It's a term that's been stolen. Sure. Educated means intelligent. That's yeah. and that's not the case. No. The, they're they're not synonymous terms, no. but I think society considers educated means intelligent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, or if educated have, if means have... successful, and that's not those are that's a, it's a hijacked term. Mm-hmm. I had uh, some clients in the other day, and there are grown children that are both extremely highly educated as far as numbers behind Grown them. children? They have like grown adult. children. Oh, they have grown they children. They have children that are grown. Got it. Okay. I thought you called them grown children. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, maybe. No. Um, and they're both master's degrees and plus. Um, I, it was fascinating to me because one of them uh, is very successful in the finance world. And one of them is a biologist and will never make money. And it was funny to me because they're both probably potentially equally uh, educated, just in different fields. And the the thought was, where do we go wrong with the one that's not going to make money? What? What? So it was interesting because, you know, and it was kind of a passing wow. joke, but that thought was there. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting that... That the the uh, the success of that education is really down to dollars. Yeah, that's what it, you know. Hmm. Yep, it's a problem. Yeah, I don't know where that goes. I don't. I don't know what that. I th- I think I I agree with David. There are going to be ramifications long term, but I think we're seeing some of that. We're seeing some of that now. We see the ramifications of people that are mindless followers mm. um, versus independent thinkers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we see that at at this level. I know you know I've got two sons, both in the Navy, 
and they see that issue uh, because I, I taught them to be thinkers and they both intellectually came to the decision that even though they qualified for college, they wanted to do military instead of college. So it had nothing to do with intelligence. It was just we made this decision because of these ideas. But they see that a lot. People are very mindless thinkers instead of independent thinkers. Mm-hmm. I think it's there now. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to get worse, I think. Yeah. Drones. Again, it, it's creating robots. But don't you think that's, I mean, we see that in, we see that in the media too, you know, and this could end up being a decent segue, but take a look at what was it a couple of weeks ago? I heard some kind of headline that, that, um, uh, Hillary Clinton was encouraging Congress to come up with legislation that would, that would affect or, or, uh, punish consequent, um, fake news stories. Oh Yeah. So if a fake news story is fake, why do so many people believe it? Mindless followers versus independent thinkers. Or take it to another level, who's going to define what is fake? And what is their criteria that they're going to use to determine that it's fake? Right. I mean, that's a whole other story about the the government controlling the media because we can't let that happen. It'll never happen. <laughs> Oh, the season, if you buy one gift or two or ten. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, gas prices going up. Yeah. It's just, I, I think that um, we see it now. I mean, it's just. In what has been hailed as a miracle, one Waterford teenager has reportedly survived in his home with no connection to the internet for almost six hours. What? Answering to the name David Gowan, the 16-year-old was found in a distressed state yesterday evening walking through a Dungarvan neighborhood, holding his Samsung Galaxy above his head, looking for a signal and muttering incoherently. The emergency services were notified, and David was brought to a nearby Starbucks and hooked up to their Wi-Fi immediately. It remains unclear as to how the teen was left without internet for such a long period of time, and a search has begun to find David's parents, with fears that they have, ha- they have other kids without even a single bar of coverage. Quote, David survived without access to any social media or video sharing sites for the better part of an afternoon, said an amazed member of Waterford's Child Protection Services. No GIFs or GIFs, no memes, no porn. It's incredible to see him in such a good condition, considering that he, what he went through. There's grown adults who can't go without internet for that long, let alone teenagers. God love, God love him like he didn't even see the new Star Wars trailer yet. David was not available for interview, with rumors circulating that the poor youngster had lost the ability to speak in anything other than normal English, having not used emojis for so long. It's real news, <sighs> however... My heart bleeds. I think it's way truer than the satire that that is. <laughs> My think, daughter had a teacher satire. last year who, um, through the rumor mill... We had heard this teacher was just horrible and just super difficult to deal with, and we were we were kind of nervous because we know that she's got some challenges. So we were nervous of her going into this class. We knew she could do the work, but we thought, and if this teacher is just a dink, we're gonna we're in trouble. Double and income, no what? kids, right? So, um, oh, okay. Anyway, I guess that term's been hijacked now too, hasn't it? <laughs> anyway, so turns out. 
the first couple months of the year, my daughter's thriving in this guy's class. And it's turned into one of her favorite teachers last year. And I thought, how, I mean, why is there such an, a different perspective? Because I've got these parents telling me, look out, he's horrible, it, he's difficult, it's a pain in the butt. And we sat down and met with them. And uh, I figured out real quick why our daughter thrived. He didn't rely on technology to teach his class. He required kids to actually write their essays, not type them, because he didn't want autocorrect to be part of the class. Oh, he were, he refused to allow internet sources on any of their autobiographies or um, their um, wow uh, first not, papers or uh, essays yeah. and stuff. Um, so everything was manual, and I thought he was anti-technology. So I'm sitting down and I'm like, well, where do you think technology fits into this? And he says, it's a tool. He says, I love technology. I've got email. I've got a smartphone. He says, I love it. But it doesn't belong in an English classroom. Here, here. Where my kids need to learn how to write. They need to learn how to spell their own words. They need to learn how to use a dictionary. And they need to learn how to read a book. She thrived. She, she aced the class. Wow. Huh. Does he have tenure? Yes. Oh. Huh. Is that bad? No, that's good. Oh. Then they can't get rid of him. No. No, he's a, it was great. And he didn't he rarely answered email. If oh. you had a, if if you had a problem and I emailed him, he would call me back and huh. talk to me. Or if I had a question or, you know, he would say, "Look, just call me. Call me. Call me and leave a voicemail and I'll call you back. Don't email me." Huh. I'd rather talk to you. So, so but he's not one of those guys like if the kids hit the ball on his lawn, he's going to come out and steal the ball and tell the kids to get off his lawn. No, it turned out to be a great guy. Wow. I mean, really, really. But I think the reason parents had a problem with him, he didn't communicate electronically. He didn't let kids use their computers to type a paper. And that's just abuse, clearly. <laughs> right? Well, it makes him it makes yeah. him a non-compliant teacher. Oh, mm-hmm. he hates technology. Turns out he didn't. I mean, just by sitting down with him for five minutes, he loved technology. He just didn't feel it had a place in teaching kids how to write a term paper. Mm-hmm. He felt kids needed to learn sentence structure and how to write and not use autocorrect. That's absurd. I know. Hmm. Hmm. Well, the nation's top nutrition panel has decided to drop its caution about eating cholesterol-laden food, a move that could undo almost 40 years of government warnings about its consumption. The group's finding uh, that cholesterol in the diet need no longer be considered a nutrient of concern stands in contrast to the committee's findings five years ago, the last time it convened. During those proceedings, as in previous years, the panel deemed the issue of excess cholesterol in the American diet a public health concern. The finding follows an evolution of thinking among many nutritionists who now believe that for healthy adults eating foods high in cholesterol may not significantly affect the level of cholesterol in their blood or increase the risk of heart attack. When was this written? February 10, 2015. Yeah, that's what I thought. What's the... This is from the Washington Post. The author Peter uh, Horisky. The greater danger in this regard, these experts believe, lies not in the products such as egg, shrimp, or lobster, which are high in cholesterol, but in too many servings of foods heavy with saturated fats, such as fatty meats, whole milk, and butter. The new view on cholesterol in food does not reverse warnings about high levels of bad cholesterol in the blood, which have been linked to heart disease. Moreover, some experts warned that people with particular health problems, such as diabetes, 
should continue to avoid cholesterol-rich diets. This is uh, what happens when you rely on a government bureaucrat to tell you what you should eat and what you shouldn't eat. I've been doing a ton of research on cholesterol the last couple of months. Do tell. Well, because my wife's family has historically, generations, had cholesterol problems. Mm-hmm. And my wife has struggled with high cholesterol, so she took statins for a long time. And then we found out how horrible statins can be if you do a little bit of research out of the box. So she took herself off statins and then... Started eating healthy, lost a bunch of weight, so doing really well, but her cholesterol goes up. So the doctor scares the crud out of her a couple months ago because her cholesterol is going up mm-hmm. a little bit, little bit progressively and uh, convinces her she's got to get back on a statin. So she gets back on a statin, and she knows it's got to be short-term. i got to get this down and fix my diet again. I'm thinking, you know, we need a lot to clean up her diet. And literally in the last... I, I think it's been almost two years my wife has lost 40 pounds. Naturally. Do, wow. I mean, just great. Just taking care of herself. Well, I start doing some research on cholesterol, and I start finding out there's, there's large particle cholesterol, there's small particle cholesterol. Cholesterol is really not cholesterol. It's actually a protein. It's mm-hmm. two different kinds of protein. And there's all this research behind it, and come to find out they have now found the correlation between cholesterol and heart disease is actually not a direct correlation. Shh, don't talk about that. They, you go back and you read the studies and you find out that cholesterol and heart disease are not directly linked. There are people with heart disease that, <laughs> that have high, high cholesterol, cholesterol, but it's not the reverse of that. There mm. are people with high cholesterol that they, never develop right. heart disease. So then you start to find out. I read uh, a few studies that are fairly new that uh, it shows that when you lose weight, if your body is losing weight by burning fat, your liver actually produces the enzyme of, I don't remember if it was the LDL or C or HDL, HDL. or whatever mm-hmm. it is, your liver produces the protein that appears as though you have higher cholesterol levels. So when you're losing weight healthy, in order to metabolize that fat that you're burning, your body produces higher cholesterol levels. So as you're getting healthier, it appears as though you have higher cholesterol levels. And then you take a statin on top of it. It reduces your cholesterol. Your liver can't produce it. You stop burning fat and you start burning glucose only. And then you end up getting on. It's a stupid cycle. That's the medical system for you. So anyway, so and then trying to find research out there that that is, you know, Independent is a whole different story. Mm-hmm. Have you um, have you guys ever been CPR certified? Yes. Mm-hmm. How how long ago? Ooh, for me it's been seven years. But fifteen? No, uh, twelve probably. Do you remember the how many breaths versus? Yeah, there's no breaths now. Yeah, there's no it's breaths just. Now, but but it what was it when you were? Oh, geez, I don't remember. Fifteen and I've two. Thought, I want to think. I, I was going to say. I, I think it was fifteen then. and two. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. is what it was. Um, two breaths, two breaths, yeah. 15 compressions. Yep. Yeah, At the rate of a hundred a minute, which or staying alive, singing, staying Stay, alive. I was going to say staying alive or another <laughs> one bites the dust. Same beat. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, they did a study and they couldn't do it in America because of attorneys. Ah, so they did a study in, um, I think it was Argentina some South American countries where they 
didn't do any breaths. All they did is chest compressions. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the survival rate went up like 85% or something like that. Because by the is time... Is it because they didn't stop moving yeah. the blood? That well, what happens, idea. it takes like 10 or 15 compressions in order for your heart to be filled up with blood. And then everything after that, mm. it starts pumping out. And you naturally have about five minutes worth of air in your in your lungs. So your body's still going to get some oxygen, even if you're not breathing. Anyways, so they did that, and they they couldn't do it in America because if a jurisdiction decided, or if they said, hey, we're, we're going to do this trial in Minneapolis only, and somebody died... Mm, liability. Yeah, the liability right, and everything right, right, else, right. but they could do it overseas. So <clears throat> I'm wondering how I w- I'm wondering when it comes to the cholesterol and stuff like that, if they, I don't know, for whatever agenda they had it the way it was, and I wonder if they had to do studies somewhere else. What is the largest or the most successful uh, anti-cholesterol med currently? Do we know? Peanut gallery, do you know this? I would say Lipitor. Lipitor. Okay. I bet you, yeah. Did you say the most you, widely used or the most successful? Well, most popular, <laughs> I guess. And by successful, I mean dollars. <laughs> Not actual lives saved, just actual money. And so my thought there, if that's the, I mean, if if that is so widely used and prescribed, there's no way they will oh, allow. Oh, by Pfizer. Yeah, there's but, no way that Pfizer will ever allow. <laughs> do you think that Pfizer? I mean, that's a study like, that that's says like chemotherapy for cancer. Yeah, I but mean, th- this is the narrative with Lipitor, though. In addition to the lowering cholesterol, they say it also minimizes uh, inflammation, and that heart attacks come because of inflammation in conjunction with the cholesterol. But is it a wonder that we have so much inflammation in our body when we are consuming mass quantities of Roundup? Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. <clears throat> I mean, really? Yeah. We, uh, we are so backwards in our world. Yeah. It's like that internet meme that's out there. It's a woman holding her head, and she says... There's no food in our house. There's only things to make food. Huh. You know, in other yeah. words, if you've got fruit and vegetables and meat, there's no food. There's nothing in a in a can that I can crack open. But I don't know. Has there ever been a good old day? I mean, we say the good old days, but then there's always a trade-off one with another, you know. Um, I mean, if you go back, 50 years there's things about it that were better but there are also things about that were worse i don't know do you know what i mean yeah like with gmo food supposedly you can make more food but it's worse for you okay but fewer people are dying did either of the studies that you can make more food actually come out from the gmo seed companies yeah like you and i have a mutual acquaintance who decided to do a couple years ago decided to grow non-gmo non-roundup ready I guess that's GMO, corn. And his harvest was four times that of GMO. What? Four times. He was getting four ears of corn per stock instead of one. Non-GMO, organic. But he couldn't certify organic because he hadn't been organic right, for, for whatever so it was. Years, three, right. mm-hmm. three years or four years. Well, 
No, is this like for fuel corn or is this for eating? I no, his was it was probably He's eating. So, don't yeah. you think they the ethanol plant wouldn't oh, care? They don't care if it's organic. I They're think it was. It. I think he <gasps> was selling it for oh, like organic cows or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I think oh, he okay. was selling so then, it for feed. Right, right, so then right. it would be feed corn. Yeah, than feed, sweet corn. Feed corn, not sweet. corn. I gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that would make sense that it was for that, huh? Yeah. Anyways, you were going to say something. Well, have. Uh, did either of you uh, pay attention to uh, two episodes ago of uh, the No Agenda show? Yes. Did you hear uh, John Dvorak's uh, expose on atrazine? Yes. Yeah. You probably didn't, I presume. Uh, I'm going to, uh, th- they have so graciously put out their MP3 files, which are fantastic. Um University of California scientists who discovered that a popular herbicide may have harmful effects on the endocrine system. Tyrone Hayes was first hired in 1997 by a company that later became agribusiness giant Syngenta. They asked him to study their their product, atrazine, a pesticide that is applied to more than half the corn crops in the United States and widely used on golf courses and Christmas tree farms. But after Hayes found results that the the manufacturer manufacturer did not expect that atrazine causes sexual abnormalities in frogs and could cause the same problems for humans, Syngenta refused to allow him to publish his work. This was the start of an epic feud between the scientist and the corporation. Now a new article in The New Yorker magazine uses court documents from a class-action lawsuit against Syngenta to show how it sought to prevent the Environmental Protection Agency from banning the profitable chemical, which is already banned by the European Union. To start with, the company's public relations team drafted a list of four goals. Reporter Rachel Aviv writes, quote, the first was, quote, discredit Hayes. In a spiral-bound notebook, Syngenta's communications manager, Sherry Ford, who referred to Hayes by his initials, wrote that the company could prevent citing of TH data by revealing him as non-credible. He was a frequent topic of conversation at company meetings. Syngenta looked for ways to exploit Hayes' faults, problems. If TH involved in scandal, Enviros will drop him, Ford wrote. Well, for more, we're joined by TH himself. That's right. Tyrone Hayes is with us, professor of integrative biology at the University of California, Berkeley, joining us from no the campus TV station right now in Berkeley. Welcome to Democracy Now! Um, can you tell us what happened to you, how you were originally tied to Syngenta, the research you did, and what prevented you from originally publishing it? Okay, that's the end of that. Um. Well, here at Berkeley, I was a a new assistant professor. I was already studying the effects of hormones and the effects of chemicals that interfere with hormones on amphibian development. And I was approached by the manufacturer and asked to study the effects of atrazine, uh, the herbicide, on frogs. And after I discovered that it interfered with male development and caused uh, males to turn into females to develop eggs. Oh, that's crazy. The company yeah. tried to prevent me from publishing and from discussing that work with other scientists outside of their panel. Just, you can't talk about this. Shh. Don't talk about Don't Even with your peers, don't talk about it. What was the process within the company as you raised the, your findings? Uh, what was their immediate reaction uh, to, uh, to what you had come across? 
Well, initially they seemed uh, sort of supportive. Um, we, you know, we designed more studies, we designed more analysis, and they encouraged me to do more analysis. But as the further analysis uh, just supported the original finding, they became less interested in moving forward very quickly. And eventually they moved to asking me to manipulate data or to rep- misrepresent data. And ultimately they told me I could not publish or could not talk about the data outside of their closed panel. And, uh, Professor Hayes, talk about exactly what you found. What were the abnormalities you found in frogs, the gender-bending nature of uh, this drug, mm-hmm. atrazine? Gender-bending. Bending, indeed. Um, <clears throat> although, I mean, it is—they made it sound like humans—you could give it to a human and a human to become a woman— but I know, like, with amphibians, I know that they can, well, maybe I should say, I had read that they had, that with mutations and stuff, that they could change the sex. I'm not saying it's good. I'm not right, saying yeah. that. That's yeah. one more little thing here. It's the gender-bending nature of uh, this drug, mm-hmm. atrazine. Well, initially we found that the larynx or the voice box in exposed males didn't grow properly. And this was an indication that the male hormone testosterone was not being produced at, at appropriate levels. And eventually we found that not only did were these males demasculinized or chemically castrated, but they yeah. also were starting to develop ovaries or starting to develop eggs. And eventually we discovered that these males didn't breed properly, uh, that some of the males actually completely turned into females. So we had genetic males that were laying eggs and reproducing as females. And now we're starting to show that some of these males actually show, um, I guess, what, what we call homosexual behavior. They actually prefer to mate with other males. So this plays right into this whole gender fluidity thing. I mean, yeah, that's in frogs. But if, we, if they found correlation in animals or amphibians that are directly being impacted by this herbicide that's sprayed all over well, how much what's the percentage of corn he said most of it or at least half and christmas trees where did christmas trees go inside everybody's home so and it was interesting because dvorak brought that up he's like that's this kind of came back um out of this whole talk that uh, camille paglia we yeah. played her uh thing uh questioning this transgender th- movement yeah and it's more of a fad than anything uh, and Dvorak brought up the idea that you've got a lot of men in our society now that are very feminine. And is that just because of the feminist movement or is there are there some chemical uh, reactions at play also? I wonder if it diminishes the amount of testosterone a, a man will produce. And well, therefore, that's what I wonder. And so is yeah. this just gr- like incrementally getting worse? As more and more of this gets used and this, who knows if this is the exact product or problem, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It's intriguing. It, it, they they had a good discussion about it. Uh, yeah, episode, I thought, yeah, episode, yeah, that was uh, good. 891 actually yeah. called Bug Juice from uh, <laughs> No Agenda. <laughs> <clears throat> That that's the thing. I mean, if they if they messed up the correlation of cholesterol with heart disease, mm-hmm. and it was so heavily studied, yep. and they missed that, yeah. how can they say that vaccines can't cause autism, 
that GMO food does it. Oh, no, people sure. up. Yeah. I'm gonna have to leave. <laughs> there will be men in black suits showing up soon. Okay, look, here's a study. I've always wanted to go to Cuba. Yeah, here's <laughs> to, to Chile, <laughs> where they have UFOs. They have UFOs you, you might catch a fine. ride. Well, Guantanamo. Here's, here's a study uh, from uh, 2007, the Journal of Clinical Endocrinology and Metabolism. Uh, the study shows that from 1987 to 2004, the average testosterone <laughs> levels in men dropped 17%. Wow. From 1987 to 2004. When did Ellen start? The, yeah, the oh. downward trend, this is interesting, the downward trend was seen both in the overall population and in individuals. So it was just an overall trend. It mm. was... They can see the, they can see it in both, which kind of makes some sense. Interesting. So, I don't know what it's done since two thousand four, but you know this is a. They haven't done any. There's got to be more recent. Oh, there probably have is. Have you heard I of just Pfizer? Quick, I just did a quick yep. Google search. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You heard of them, right? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So they're saying that the the average. So a 65-year-old in 2002 had lower testosterone than a 65-year-old in 1987, as an example. On average, 17%. Mm-hmm. 17%. That's not... I wonder how much that's like Lipitor and stuff like that. Because 62-year-old, you said? Well, this is just an example. It says a 65-year-old. Or a 65-year-old? I mean, just about all people in their 60s are probably on Lipitor or one of those statins, right? Could be, but th- their point is that it it wasn't in one person. Like it was following the board. your age over mm-hmm. t- over seven or over 10 years, 20 years, mm-hmm. your testosterone, they're not saying that's what happened. They're saying 50-year-olds today have 17% less testosterone than 50-year-olds 20 years ago. Oh, I well, see. it's not necessarily the same person. So it's not the same person. They, they it's test age an age bracket, group, right. Age yep. brackets, yeah. Mm-hmm. I see. Well, that, I mean, it's... But, but and what's look, changed look at the, over the last... Look at the flip side of that, though. Right. If you take a look at the flip side, look at women. Mm-hmm. Look at how early girls develop today compared to... Yeah. I mean, really? Yeah. You know, I mean... I grew up in the 80s. I was around in the 70s, and a 13-year-old girl was a 13-year-old girl. 13-year-old girl today, I mean, you can dress her the way, however you want, but they're developed very differently. And I bet in your lifetime, probably very different. The old peanut gallery. Well, I'm just thinking, um, I haven't seen many naked 13-year-old girls ever. That's good. That's a good thing. You know, and that is that is so, good. <laughs> on the record. Yeah, on the record. You could take two 13-year-old girls and you can dress one of them appropriately and one of them inappropriately with padding in strategic places and say, whoa, she's really developed. Strip away all the makeup and clothes and, well, they're both pretty sticky looking. So I don't know if they really have developed much. I know is what this, they look like. Is this part of our problem, though? Do you think? Do you think that nurture changes hormones? Why? Why couldn't it? Yeah, I suppose it could. Because I think it is. Uh, You've got to turn this off. This is just bad. I know this song. 
304 million plays right now on Spotify. And who is this? This is Selena Gomez. She was a Disney uh, star, I believe, yeah? Yeah. Bear Breakfast Club, I think. Uh, Witches so of she, Waverly okay, or something right, like right, that. Oh, yeah. yeah, but wasn't like uh, Britney Spears and, and oh, yeah. Christina Mickey, Aguilera. So. Weren't Mickey they Mouse. They started there, Mickey yeah. Mouse. Yeah. Mickey Mouse Club. Yeah. yeah. Not Breakfast Club, yeah. But that's... There's that, then. Again. Uh, trigger warning This song is explicit For the children listening I'm 14 carats. I'm 14 carats. 343 million plays right now Same person Yep You say I got a touch So good, so good Make you never wanna leave So don't So don't Gonna wear that dress you like skin tight Do my hair up real, real nice And sink up, paint my skin to your heart beating Cause I just wanna look good for you, good for you uh-huh. I just wanna look good for you, good for you uh-huh. How many people are in America? 300 million 300 how many? 30 Yeah mm-hmm. This song has been played more times than that now, there's been double, clearly multiples, but the point that I'm thinking is this message, like by the stats, has been sung to every every human alive inside America. Yeah. How many of you understand the words to this? Are there words? I don't, I haven't understood maybe one or two words. I just want to look good me, for you. But that's me, maybe. <laughs> I'm going to wear the dress you like skin tight. My hair look real nice. I just want to look good for you. So this is the stuff, well, the I mean, drivel being yeah. pumped in the our younger generation's head. But then you figure, you know, Rihanna. The difference between Rihanna and her is that they they grew up with her on Disney, like you said. Right. And so that there's more of a connection with her. I think so. Yeah. I do, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Have we <clears throat> talked about homeschool yet? <laughs> oh, I saw, I saw. Um, we have a winner. <laughs> I saw a uh, uh, a news article since he brought homeschool. Uh, Ford Motor Company announced um, it has a new upcoming line of passenger vans for the homeschoolers. It's a forty passenger van <laughs> called the Homeschooler. <laughs> Excellent. I want it. <laughs> Comes in yellow. <laughs> Christened the homeschooler, the flagship model seats 40 passengers and a driver and includes fun and entertainment for the kids like Latin workbooks and classical Greek wow. epic poems tucked right into the back seats. <laughs> back seats. <laughs> we found that many homeschooling families were taking two or three of our 12 or 15 pastor models to church. This new model will allow the whole family to make the trip to homeschool co-op meetings, Awana nights, and Sunday services all together in one vehicle. So, yeah, it's good that Ford is uh, looking out for the homeschoolers. forward thinking right there. 
I do think the biggest uh, roadblock into making homeschool a little bit more, I don't know about mainstream, but it, it's peer pressure. Two, th two things for the parent probably might be equal. One of them is, I can't do that. And the other one is, my friends wouldn't approve. And that's pretty powerful deterrent. Although in Minnesota, the state did one of those, well, if you can't beat them, join them kind of things. And so you can now homeschool in Minnesota. You take all the curriculum online at a website. But or it's still the same, same curriculum. curriculum they're using. Yeah. So it's one of those things where it looks like, oh, you're homeschooling, so they're going to be better educated, but it's just the same old thing, different package. So There's a lot to be said about, you know, how many families can afford to homeschool. Mm -hmm. How many families yeah. really, especially when you start hitting metro areas, is is there a tough. one of the parents that stays home? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so this is a conversation that I uh, am planning to have locally in the next probably month or so with uh, a newly elected legislator uh, for the, our state in South Dakota. And apparently there is a bill being introduced that would, the money would follow the kid even into homeschool. Good. Which I like. He doesn't like it because he, his per position and we haven't really sat down much but just briefly his his thought is how do you keep the deadbeat parents from saying oh that's an extra four thousand dollars that i'm going to get if i just keep my kid home uh so why don't you attach uh the same way they do at a school schools receive certain funding based off of the grade the school gets so why don't you attach the same thing your kid's got to be able to pass some basic standards right but here's my question with that if i want to homeschool because the 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 format, the the pace that they copy, they run through things and they learn things is different than what I want to do. Are they then gonna try to implement the public school mentality onto the homeschool mentality in order for that those funds to come? Because if that's the case, I don't think I want it. Mm -hmm. Because then you get this this uh, alien kind of uh, thought process coming in. I mean, the whole idea of homeschooling is you get to set your own pace. You get to um, diversify your children. I mean, you can go on field trips whenever you want. You can teach them the things, the God you want. You don't have to uh, rely on their, yep. their process. And I'm afraid that if we allow the, the state to say, okay, here's the money, but we then get to overlord your what you're doing, uh, to me it feels like that's going to be more of a problem for the people like us who want to have that flexibility and freedom. I'd agree. Yeah. That makes sense. No, it sucks because then I am out of pocket again, even though my tax dollars are still going and helping support the school district at some level, I think. I think if you're going to... Uh, if you're going to regulate it in such a way that, you know, the dollar follows the kid there's going to have to be some level of accountability clearly to the parent mm -hmm. or to the person homeschooling. Mm -hmm. Maybe it isn't the parent. Maybe me and my wife work and we want our child homeschooled right. and your so wife you homeschools an right. and you've got, tutor, yeah. you've got, you know, Hey, would you mind if my daughter homeschooled with, you know, mm -hmm. she's in the same grade as your son? Would, would that be a problem? Why would that be a challenge? You know, anyway, so the point, I mean, there's got to, I think 
the way you stop the deadbeat parent, well, first of all, I mean, really, it, I mean, do we think this is going to be a significant challenge that deadbeat parents are going yeah. to keep their kids? Exactly. exactly. Well, but but I I think what this what the legislature would look at is is one if one gets you know they all say that well one kid is worth not doing it uh, is that really going to be the issue are are we going to allow you know there's a handful of very I'm reverse poorly the argument. educated homeschool kids reverse the argument then if one kid can't graduate high yeah. school then the public school system yeah. doesn't work that's true so fine okay yeah. But that double edge, that mm-hmm. double standard is a double standard. Because currently in our state, you there you have to standardize test at fourth grade, eighth grade, and I think eleventh grade. Okay, so do you guys adhere to that? You have to legally. Okay. Like, like otherwise, they wouldn't allow us to be, have the exemption from. So school. if the money follows your ability for your kids to meet the minimum standard, what you're suggesting is the state could change that standardized test in order to follow their curriculum. Well, in order to keep your money. Yeah, or they would make it an annual thing. And I don't really want that oh. because the idea that I, my thought is, yes, fourth grade, eighth grade, 11th grade. That's a pretty decent gap. And the reality is my kid is probably going to learn as much or more than his peers will in that same time frame, to that four-year time frame, but maybe not at the, at the, at the year increments. Yeah, good, yeah, and, good and point. And that, to me, is the biggest holdup is if you're going to come in annually and say, okay, what are you learning? Well, maybe it's different than what you want them to be learning for this year, but next year we're going to learn that and we're going to learn this and then that one. And then we're going to learn what you want now. We're going to do that next year because it fits in our system better. That's my hang up. And I just don't don't think the public school mentality has the ability to even think out of that box like that. No, no, absolutely absolutely not. It doesn't. Right. No, it doesn't. And you're right because – if somebody did take advantage of the system, four years is too long. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. And that's what, $16,000 that they potentially have in their pocket, which I think locally the school, it's 4300 bucks a kid, something like that. What I, that's what uh, they get. I don't get, I think the way they've changed things too makes that whole thing of uh, kid left behind a stupid narrative as well. Because when you go... If you're a kid who does horrible in school because you have a behavioral problem, you'll get an IEP and you'll get certain things to help you do better. And and you might come out of school not knowing anything, but you went through the school anyways. So the end result is nothing. I mean, um, how is that any different than just letting some parents homeschool their kids? Because the end result, if... You have kids all the time falling <laughs> through the cracks and not reading and whatnot. Yeah, no, it's true. And, you know, I mean, our daughter has an IEP, and you're supposed to meet legally once a year to renew that IEP and evaluate it. And her her um, coordinator, I don't know what that person's called, um, every year the school is baffled by how involved we are because we adjust it. We just don't, you know, when we sit down and meet once a year, like this last year, they were just going to kind of, well, we're just going to change the date more or less. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And my response was, well, no, we're not going to do that because she has shown she doesn't need this help anymore. Mm-hmm. So I want it gone from the IEP because that shouldn't be a crutch for her. She knows how to do that. But if you stick it in the IEP, you're allowed to use that. And I can I see the school system get lazy. 
Oh yeah. And and oh, yeah. use those things to yeah. their advantage. Right. So yeah. I don't know how you work I don't know how you work through that as far as people not taking advantage of it. I guess uh, I I suppose what it would be the same way the the problem the problem with accountability is it could because it's education it could go long enough that it does really negatively affect the ch- the child in what way well if somebody takes advantage of the system and doesn't and they take the money but don't teach the kid oh and yeah. you don't find out until 4 years later yeah but but then um it happens all the time where a kid's on welfare and they they give money to the parent to buy food for their kids and they but you find out a lot faster you don't feed a kid properly well but they get fat or whatever or um a kid uh a, a mother gets uh child support from the father and feeds them enough for that for them to live and maybe whatever and then takes the money and blows it on something else i mean my point is is that any time that you use the excuse, well, we're doing it for best of the children, you can find a thousand examples where... Where the, the children's best is not oh, there's gonna, yeah. There will clearly be tens of thousands mm-hmm. of good examples and compared I to the one or two that take advantage of the system. And to, to me, to me, the whole thing is, is a lot like uh, I would rather have uh, 10 guilty people go free than an innocent person go to prison, you know, the principle of our legal system and same way with a parent uh if a parent misuses being a parent you know what if they're smart enough they can get around it most of the time anyways so why would that be the it's the same thing um by using the uh the rape exception for abortion for every case of abortion right you know right so you're meeting with this legislator uh, because well, well, you were he, chosen or because yes, you know no, this person? This was, uh, we were sought out specifically. He wants to talk to people that he he feels are homeschooling correctly. Awesome. And, and, and have... And have um, so you're meeting or your wife is meeting with this <laughs> well, person? Well, b- what was said to me is, <laughs> I'd love to sit down with you and your wife, <laughs> which I'm... Would, I mean, she was going to obviously have a lot more direct input. Um, but I appreciated that that was, um, that he wants to at least listen. And so hopefully in the next month we'll be able to sit down and, um, and at least give him our thoughts. But I'm, I'm still trying to figure out how, uh, at what level of, of additional oversight I would be okay with. And I I don't think that I would be okay with any additional at this point. Mm-hmm. Now, just, South- just because our, 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 um timeline mm-hmm. is not remotely what, what if it was as is. what if it was as simple as um annually mm-hmm. you submit a report uh just to, as a level of accountability annually your wife would submit a report saying this was our curriculum this year you don't have to do that Mm-mm. in minnesota um you had to do that to the superintendent if you homeschooled. And then were they did they authorize it? Or uh, was it just an acknowledgement, hey, we have a curriculum? Only if you have if if one of the teachers has a bachelor's degree, then it's like hey, we got a curriculum. If you don't, then the superintendent would 
you'd have to lay it out and show it to them. Really? Yeah. Yeah. No, not here. That's how that that's how it is in Minnesota. Hmm. I mean, we so they have to approve the curriculum. That's what it sounds like. Well, right? uh, they have to. Or is it just acknowledge that you have one? You have one. I'll show them my receipt every year for twelve hundred bucks. But they'd have to look at it to make sure, you know, the different subjects are being are being taught and that sort of thing. Yeah. What well, if the, it was the, that? The, the, well, what this if goes, you submitted your receipts? But this goes I, back to Robinson's point that. that um, they want to focus on math and language priority. If we're not focusing solely on that as priority number one, then are we going to get changed? Are we going to get looked down on? Mm. You know, if if we yeah. take four months of one year and do nothing but art and then we take four months of another year and do nothing but math and then do four months of another year where we do nothing but we explore outside in nature that does not even compute to the public school mindset and i just can't imagine that any any That's a good point public educator educated educator um would i mean that, that would blow their head up the only thing about math, though, that I would say is that I think math is good for building logic and a lot of the thinking processes. I mean, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. But if I, if I learn my kids, like let's say we take, and this is an example the peanut gallery given me most of my life, um, <laughs> as we know, it's my dad, um, that if I have to figure out how to feed the family for dinner mm-hmm. and our recipe is for four people and there's six of us. Yeah. That's, that takes yeah, that's that's all kinds yeah. of math yeah, and calculations exactly. and exactly. planning and yep. prep. Yep. That is the most, I, I will retain way more having to do that than if I have to answer five plus two is four, 17 minus three is blah, blah, blah. I'll give you an example. There's two kids. One of them knows how to say Pythagoras. They know how to, they know what a squared plus b squared equals c squared is. And another one knows that if you want to build a square <laughs> deck, you know these numbers three, four, five, or six, eight, ten, and you can make a right triangle with those numbers, and you can make your deck square with just three, four, five. Maybe you've never heard of Pythagoras or A squared plus B squared. Nine plus C sixteen squared. equals twenty five squared twenty five five, yeah. So which of those kids is better prepared for the world? Someone that says, Oh, I know what the Pythagorean theorem is, but they wouldn't have a clue how to make a square frame for a deck. And the other kid says, I don't know who Pythagoras is. Is that a is that a sandwich? But you're demonstrating knowledge by building a deck. So I would think exactly. that right doing the deck would demonstrate. But that doesn't translate to, I mean, oh, if, absolutely if that, not. If that, you're went right. to, you're right. if that went down on a report, okay, that's one thing. But <laughs> yeah. that doesn't translate necessarily to yeah, a test score. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. How do you how do you show that to some egghead somewhere off in the central location? This kid at 10 years old or 20 years old, mm-hmm. he's, he's either going to help his dad build a deck or he's going to build a deck on his house. Mm-hmm. Maybe the square. How do I make it square? Well, three, four, five. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe the answer is that there is no additional oversight until something goes awry at the 4, 8, and 11. Maybe, yeah. 
Yeah, uh, which uh, technically that's what it is now. That really is how it works. Well, maybe because that's... if if they feel and sense that there is, you know, there's not the education going, they do have the right to come check it out. Then there's well, so I mean that's in place currently. So that's I'm fine with that. I mean I don't have a choice. That's how it is. <laughs> but another thing that growing up that we got to do that no one else in our peer group ever got to do, we got to go sit in for I don't know a week on a murder trial during the day. What'd your dad do? No, he was on the, was he was, he was on the appropriate <laughs> side. Oh, 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 oh. oh, oh it was mom. Okay. <laughs> yeah. okay. He, he's the one that took us. I don't know why, but now I do. No. Um, but that was that was something that was kind of out of the box. And it was Yeah, great. I had. Um, I, yeah. This was, yeah, that's out <laughs> of the box. Again, how, how, many, how many elementary age, outside how the many box. Elementary age kids do you awesome. know that have ever done that? Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I met somebody. This was probably 15 or 20 years ago, but I had a. I ran into a business acquaintance who. This was one of the first people that I had ever met that was that seemed normal to me that homeschooled their kids. I mean, <laughs> no. <laughs> and it my, wasn't David. <laughs> no, my point. Well, I, I had mentioned this to your dad earlier that my point is that in the world I grew up, it was as homeschooling was as foreign as a, a different language. Mm-hmm. I, I had no concept of what that meant. Yeah. Only weird people do that. But yeah. this you're um, Amish. But I mean, it was like it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, it was more like that. It was more like the yeah. Amish people that live on colonies in the middle middle of the United States. Mm-hmm. It wasn't something I was ever familiar with. But my point is, 15 or 20 years ago, I ran into this business acquaintance. We were doing something, and I found out his kids were homeschooled. And he wasn't available for a particular two-week period. And he said, we're going to Pennsylvania and D.C. And oh, and I said, I said, for what? And he says, that's history class. Awesome. And I said, well, what do you mean? And he says, we don't have a history curriculum. History to us is once a year, we take a two-week trip, and we go to historical sites. Oh, man, I need to do that. And that's... That was their history class every year. Yeah, They didn't sit in class. They didn't read a textbook. They went somewhere every year, and that hmm. was history. Hmm. You could do that from home. But well, you, you can now, but yeah. Yeah. you can now, but there is something different about going. I mean, it's kind of, you can no, read. What you I can mean read. is you can do that kind of a thing if you're homeschooling. If your kids go to public school, you can't yeah. take. Oh, yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah. Yep. They'll yeah. be hopelessly behind. Well, not only yeah. that, but well, and you, you'll be yelled at. And it's actually drawn, the cops will come get you. Yeah, it mm-hmm. actually becomes illegal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you're only allowed so many days out of school that are not doctor related or right. something. Yeah. Well, and uh, the form that we have to submit to the school to, for our kid to get to, it, it is strictly a, um, a an attendance exemption. That's all it is. It, it has nothing to do with, and and it's us telling them. We are homeschooling, and so you can't send the cops to get us for truancy. That's what it is. It has nothing to do with um, them approving or saying anything. It's just here's the reason our kid is not in your school because we are doing it out here, and don't mm. send the cops to get us. Mm. Otherwise, the the truancy officer will come around, and I don't know what that means, but well, they don't actually have one. You know, no, they but they they call the cops. cops. Hey, yeah. yeah. Who owns the kid? That's exactly yeah. it. And I, uh, the more <laughs> crazier it gets, uh, the state does. Yeah. If, you, if you have a birth certificate, you're all you, different you subject. But I kind of I twisted my wife's mind the other day. I asked her who owned our property. Oh, 
And she said, well, technically we've got, we still have a mortgage. We've still got a small mortgage. And, and I said, okay, let's pay it off tomorrow. Who owns it? We do. Nope. I said, no, we don't. She says, well, who owns it? And I said, we lease it from the government. Yep. What? Totally. So I said, if we don't pay our property taxes. They come take it. Yep. We lease it. So who owns, who owns your kid? Who owns your well, property? Your car. Technically, you got a license on it. You don't own that car. Well, you, you own the pay. car. No, you, you just, don't. You just can't drive it. <laughs> but you can't. I, I can't. Legally. In this town, I cannot have a vehicle that's not registered. That's a good point, too. Yeah. In Ortonville. Like, if, if, if I have a car that's line. not registered, it's they impound it. It doesn't belong to me. I, I can't own a vehicle that's unregistered. So if you Isn't that purchased ridiculous? a vehicle yep. and it was sitting on your property. Yep. yep. They and cannot, they found yep. out you owned it. Yep. If it's not licensed and registered, doesn't have tabs. Cannot up to date tabs. Nope. They, it's it's illegal. It's just like I can't legally not have garbage service. What? See government for you, and this is South Dakota. This isn't like my father-in-law lives in in uh, Saint Cloud, and they passed a law that said that no car can park on your grass on your lawn. So if you had a driveway and you and you just naturally park an extra car on the grass next to your driveway, that's illegal. You get a ticket for it. So you'd have to lay down concrete in order to park your car there. So that that means that the uh, the cops can walk onto your pub, your private yep. property and give you a ticket. Yep. Without a warrant. we're mad at Russia. <laughs> well, I think stuff, another thing that's just weird to me is like uh, limits uh, with fishing. So like, and I don't know how it is, but like, okay, in Minnesota, say, say, I don't know how many Northern, say you can only have it's five, I don't know, five or something like that. If I go, if I go fishing today and I catch five northerns and put them in my freezer and then I go tomorrow and get five more and put them in my freezer and I do it for three days put it in my freezer DNR would come in mm-hmm. and say you're Count. over your yep. limit because yep. I have them in my freezer I have more than five to me that is the dumbest thing in the world but I think they I think at least in Minnesota I believe that has to be a secondary charge it cannot be a primary charge it doesn't matter agreed but they can't just come and look at your freezer there's got to be another reason they're um, showing up. Are you sure? No. I think they can't. Well, in South Dakota, um, they can. Uh, what's the limit for pheasants? Three a day, and is it 15 possessions? Is it five days? Or three days on possession? I can't, I'd have to look it up for sure. Um, but, yeah, they if, if you have signed over and you bought a license from them, they then can make sure that you're adhering to that. It's my, it's my understanding. Well, who's your old buddy that says in some of the places... You can choose as many pheasants as you want to buy. Oh, you uh, can choose sixty private, um, like private farms. Oh, that, pheasant maybe. pheasant yeah. farms. Yeah, because they're not publicly owned. They are you farmed them, you got to do them. But I think they're paying hefty fees to the state to say yes, we're a lodge that allows people to come in and. Well, there's an elk farm close bucks. to where I live. In oh uh, yeah, where I live, there's an elk. Oh, farm. Oh, there's one just just and west they, of us here they too. F- Farm it intentionally for the meat, but they have to have a special license to mm-hmm. do so. Mm-hmm. Well, like uh, what Ib- Ibix and stuff down in uh, Texas. I know Ted Nugent; he's always out hunting these wild African animals in Texas. 
Uh, oh, but, he lives in Texas now? Yeah. But what they're doing is they're actually bringing these animals back from the edge of extinction because they're cultivating them. And so, yeah, they go shoot them, but then they're building these huge herds up, and then you get to buy 3500 bucks. You can go shoot this Ibex, which is cool looking. And Ibex apparently or tastes Ibex. I sure. I don't really <laughs> I don't know either. Uh, apparently it tastes fantastic. But is that like an that's like an African antelope or something? Yeah, isn't it, they're it? big yeah. though. Yep. But those tastes are the like ones beef. with the big, huge, the big long, straight, long. Yep, yep, yep. yep, yep. Kind of kick back a little bit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, uh, I, I just my head starts hurting and I start grinding my teeth down when I start really digging into the government regs that exist. It drives me mad. Like, who are they in Oregon? There's a um a family. I think we talked briefly yeah, about we it did. a few weeks yeah. ago. Um, that they are being forced to empty a big drainage pond on their property because the land, they they aren't legally authorized to capture rainwater. It was like forty acres. Yeah, yeah, it's huge. And they bought it, and it was like somebody put it in like sixty years before. Yeah, it wasn't them, but they have to get rid of it because but they have to get rid of it because yep. thus saith the government. Yep, because um, you you have no right, and there are some places where you can't collect rainwater but, off your roof. I think California. But you know, yeah. Do you know why we've got laws like that though? Because of stupid people. Because you go to the flip side of that story, and there's I think this was in uh, this was in Minnesota. You probably heard of this. It was very recent. I think it was in like um, it was in the city somewhere, and I want to say it was like uh, St. Louis Park. But anyway, very recent. Couple was foster parents. They decided to adopt, I think they've adopted a few kids, but the most recent one they adopted, uh, so they adopted him. They're a religious family. They opted not to do medical service for mm-hmm. their family. And one of the kids, I think four or five years old, I can't remember, was uh, not doing well, stopped eating. Don't know why. End result is the kid died. They called 911, and when they, when EMT showed up. The kid is covered in bed sores. He has no sheets. He has not eaten, and they have no idea how long. And this family's concept was, well, we've been praying for him. Mm-hmm. So you've got the opposite end of the spectrum. But isn't that, doesn't that go down to, wouldn't that fall under some other kinds of rules rather than creating a ton of little things? I mean, it, no, it, but what it, I, it's my like everyone is, wanting, well, we got to have new immigration laws. Well, do we or do we just need to enforce what we have? My, my point is that the reason we end up with so many stupid laws is because the, somebody does that. Mm-hmm. And then government panics. A group panics. of people take notice. They panic and they create a. I, the, I got a perfect example. This happened like, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago. This little lady, her friend came over. She and had a little a, lady. She's a little lady. <laughs> no, I said there was a lady. Oh, And oh, she had mm. a friend that came over. Sure. And she had a pet chimpanzee. The chimpanzee went wild, killed her, ripped her face off. Legislatures came in later on that year and made it illegal to have pet chimpanzees. Mm -hmm. So it's stuff like that. That's a perfect example. It's it's reactionary uh, legislation to some event that happens. Or, but it might be with that pond, it might be like a, uh, what's that, UN... um, uh, that UN program where they're trying to um, the sustainable development program that they have called uh, uh, Project 
terrible? Veritas? No. no, what? No, <laughs> I, I can't remember the name of it, but it might be one of these UN pro, uh, they're trying to, uh, if you ever hear sustainable development, mm-hmm. it is, uh, the government basically coming in and trying to force everybody into the city. Yeah. Um, Agenda 21. Agenda 21. Thank you. Agenda 21 stuff. Thank you. And maybe this is an Agenda 21 kind of thing. And they're uh, some kind of loophole. They get some money from the government. If, if uh, this jurisdiction passes some kind of agreement uh, or, changes to their ordinances and they didn't read the changes to the ordinances and this is one of them and perhaps they they got a bunch of money by doing this and now you know you either you either enforce the ordinances or you have to give your money back or something like that you know it could it's be just, something like that too. yeah but this it's maddening it's i mean it's <coughs> it's crazy pills i tell you yes it is it is crazy pills <laughs> the, it, the county that i live uh Two landowners approached the commissioner board and they were asking permission to give a permanent uh, uh, easement to DNR for something. And the commissioner board said, no, we're not going to approve it. And the reason we're not going to approve it is you're not going to own that land forever. So if you want to give easement for as long as you own it, fine but we're not going to approve a permanent easement forever. That's awesome. Right? Okay. So these landowners, what did they do? Sued. No. Oh. They appealed, went to the state, and state DNR overruled. Are you kidding? Nope. State DNR overruled the county commissioner ruling. So now there's a permanent easement. So there is a permanent easement on these two properties that after these people die or sell their land, the following landowner has to abide by that easement. Wow. Hmm. I just got the possession limits in South Dakota. Or border waters, actually. Minnesota, South Dakota. Walleye, four. uh, Your limit is four, and your possession limit is four. And only one can be 20 inches or longer. I mean, I thought we fought the Cold War and won. Northern That's Pike, what I think. six is the daily limit, and you can have a six possession limit. Perch, on the other hand, you, 15 is your daily limit with a 30 possession limit. What is possession? Uh, in, in your, your freezer. In, in, you can't, uh, you have to have that by the, you can't have that in the first day. I mean, so you, and that's why I think pheasant, I think it's 15 mm. is a possession limit. What if you possess it in your freezer? Or in your car out in the field. It's, that's possession. That's possession. Well, but but so you, you can't could, do that day one, though. No, day two, if, you could. You could have 30 day two. But then you can't hunt again until you eat them. Yeah. Correct. Or yeah. give them away. And you're not supposed to do that technically. Yeah, I was going to say, Ladies. but legally, you're not supposed yeah, to give it you're away. You're not supposed to give it away, which is outrageous. So then if you, if you got, uh, uh, let's see, 12 Northerns mm-hmm. and you pickled them. In there in pickle jars. Got to eat them. That's possession. <laughs> I, I I think Rudolph so. Unless by changing that form that they're in, that might actually um, adjust that. Because I mean, how would you know what year that was, and how would you know what it is? It could be something you bought at the I store know, and you. Pickled. I know a lot of people that when they freeze it, mm-hmm. they leave a patch of skin on it so that if it's ever an issue they can see I've actually what it is. had somebody ask me do you want some walleye and they had frozen walleye from the year before mm-hmm. and it still had the patch of skin on it yeah. really? and I said what really 
Yeah, just in case anybody came and checked, I could tell them what that was. Isn't that obscene? Wow. And I said, well, then you're not really supposed to be giving it to me, are we? Are you? Shh. <laughs> huh. I, they I, don't really enforce that, at least not out here. That's one of those rules that is enforced when somebody is egregiously yeah, disobeying the sure. law. Yeah. Then they add that but it's on. still it's there. It's tacked on. But the fact that they can right. is terrible. I know there was a guy in um, where I'm from. There was a guy who was just a, a horrible person. He broke all these laws, and the sheriff tried to tried to uh, get him sent away. And the guy was really slippery. So what he did is the guy bought a gun, and on his application he said that he had uh, not spent any time in prison. This is like, I don't know, 30 years ago. He had not spent any time in prison, and he had. And so he went to prison because he said on the on the form falsified, so it's he falsified a document yeah. Yeah. so it's like the al capone thing he went to prison for tax evasion tax, yep. you know so i think some of that is is the other thing that um uh district attorneys or county attorneys do is that if you if you rob a bank you're not going to be charged with rob you know uh, with uh robbery you're going to be charged with eight counts of this yep. and 14 counts of that and they use it all to plea bargain. Uh, to plea bargain down. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. One thing on the South Dakota Fishing Handbook, um, in parentheses, it says high grading of any species is not allowed. So you're not supposed to boost their self esteem. <laughs> high grade. Awesome. I give you an A. If you go to the Wikipedia and read fishing high grading and then go to the fishing portion, here's what it says. High grading is a practice of selectively harvesting fish so that only the best quality fish are brought ashore. Isn't that catch and release? Yeah. Where I you think... only keep the best one? Well, no. If you put it in your live well... Um, That's the answer right there. Oh, yeah. okay. Once you and take, once you take possession day, and you put it in your live well, you're not supposed to put it back because you picked one up that's bigger. I gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. That's the difference. Okay. And I make, but, that, that but makes bro, sense. Brought ashore kill them means that probably. you are... If you bring it ashore and put it on your stringer right. and keep it alive, sure. you've got to keep it on the stringer. Okay. You can't let it go yeah. at that point. The practice is popular in situations under individual fishing quotas where only a limited number of fish are allowed to be harvested. Which is everywhere. Following the letter, <laughs> but not the spirit of the law, fish are caught... And if not considered optimal, thrown back into the ocean. The practice of high grading allows fishers to get higher prices for their limited catch, but is environmentally destructive because many of the fish returned to the water die. This was an issue in the, with the EU regulation of fisheries. Uh, now, if you're talking tuna, maybe, because then you're big, you know, big, these huge nets and big stringer lines you're putting out there, but... High grading of any species is not allowed. So does that, I mean, by, by definition, if we're going to go straight to that, does that mean that if I catch a fish and I don't like it and I put it back, that's high grading? I, and I keep the one that's I can't one. answer that. I've been in a couple fishing tournaments. Well, and that I totally and get. I, you, say, once, I agree. Once you put it in your boat. Once it's live well, you exactly. can't remove it from the live well. Correct. I don't know. I don't know if that's the spirit of the law. Live well it, you got to keep it. Stringer, you got to keep it. I don't know. But catch and release, I do that. I don't keep fish anymore, actually. I just, yeah. I, when I fish, I catch and release. Why? Because you're too good for the fish? Is that what it is? Yeah, it's, it's like deer. Okay. I wish you could catch it's and release kinda, deer, but you can't kinda, really do that. I, 
I've I got to get going here pretty soon, but I got to tell this story. This is actually funny. I was I was meeting with my grandfather of ninety eight years old, soon to be ninety nine in a couple of weeks. Ooh! And he's telling me the story. Every time he tells me a story, it's just there's some you've got to listen to the details because there's something weird. He tells me once. No, I'm not kidding. There's some, he tells me once. I was asking him about fishing, and he says, "Yeah, I remember this one time. A bunch of us went out fishing and uh, uh, with no bait." I said. Why? What were you trying to catch? Nothing. Why? Well, we didn't want to catch any fish. Well, then why did you put your hook in the water? Because then we could say we went fishing. Well, then why did you do that? Because it was better than being at home. <laughs> his whole story was him and his buddies as, as kids used to get together and just put their hooks in the water so just they could say they went fishing, but they didn't want to catch fish and have to deal with the fish. Interesting. Huh. Okay. I saw two old guys out in the riverbank one time. It was the 24th of December, and they were snockered bad. That means drunk. And yep. he said, but, 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 but it wasn't our fault. He said, I, I just had a bottle, and we were just going to take a nip. And he said, I took the lid off. And it dropped in the water, and <laughs> we had to drink it all because we didn't have a lid. Uh huh. And they were talking with a straight face, and one guy hooked a steelhead, and he couldn't reel it in. He was too, too inebriated, and he kind of staggered back up the bank to get his fish in. But it's not our fault. It's not our fault. It's not my fault. All right, so I just found the actual definition of hydrating in the book. Hygrating, and in parentheses, they have culling, causes fish mortality because of extra handling and the presence of warm surface water in live wells and other fish-holding devices. Regulations restricting hygrating do not preclude catch and release or selective harvest, but prohibit exchanging a fish held in a live well on a stringer or with other fish-holding devices with a recently caught fish. The elimination of hydrating does not restrict fishing opportunities, but only restricts what happens when with the fish after they are caught. Anglers can help reduce unnecessary fish mortality by not hydrating. I get it. That makes sense. That that clarification is great. But aren't the bass tournaments, don't they take them out of the live well, the little ones? Don't they hydrate in bass tournaments? You mean at the end of the tournament no as they're fishing no oh, we got uh, no not um, well um i've never done it so i don't know i just i've never done that. it i've never done like a pro bass tournament but in the tournaments i've been in once and it's only i think two or three once it's in your life because that's well, the you gamble return it. you've got to decide is this one big enough for yeah. me to keep i think Because i remember my partner and i lost one tournament because we did that we caught a fish decided uh, it's legal but there's no way this is going to win so we put it back had we kept it mm -hmm. you would have won, won. <laughs> interesting but that is that's the that is part of the gamble yes yeah. you know is this mm -hmm. fish going to win yeah well i was, thought they re i thought they released every fish in a bass tournament after the weigh-in no, because then they'd be dead, I would think. Well, they, they, they put them in a live well. No, they're live. I think that's I because they have to be live when they get weighed. That's probably right? PETA. <gasps> oh, yeah, because because otherwise you could have caught it yesterday. Brought it, uh, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, you could have it sitting on the bank and yeah. you go get it. I don't know. Yeah. Do they release fish after a bass I'm tournament? To, I, I to assume ask. so, got, but I don't know. I've got fisher friends I'll have to see. Yeah. I don't. Um, You have fish for friends? 
Yes. Yeah. Shh, don't say nothing. Uh, yes. Hold on one second here. <laughs> <laughs> Water. Water. Um, I have one little uh, wrapping up piece. Um, and we don't have to go deep into the weeds because we don't have time. But this might stimulate next week's show. Um, you know, look, the U.S. economy in a typical month both creates and destroys hundreds of thousands of jobs. And this is this kind of argument is exactly the argument by anecdote that Trump has mastered and that the press has bought into. We should be having these political debates over facts, over aggregate facts, jobs created, jobs lost, wages increasing, the enormous success that President Obama has created more jobs than any president in recent history, many more than Ronald Reagan, for example. That's the kind of fact we need to focus on, not the kind of <laughs> anecdotes that Donald Trump uses over and over again to both promote his ideas he just used and to an anecdote. constructive Shh. ideas on the other side. I think what's very interesting about what Trump's going to do is it's very much similar to what George Bush did, which was give an enormous tax cut that was vastly weighted towards the richest Americans, but came along with a small tax cut for most Americans. And so if you ask most Americans that George Bush give them a tax cut, they'll say, sure. And Trump's going to try and the Republicans are going to try the same thing. They're going to say facts like all Americans will get a tax cut or most of the people getting a tax cut earn less than $100,000. These are absolutely misleading facts. And really, the question for Democrats, I think, is most important is how do you break through that message? How do you explain without sounding wonky, without sounding off-putting, that yes, the average American may get a couple hundred dollars back, but their kids are going to be paying thousands and thousands of dollars in higher interest charges because of the tax breaks going to the wealthiest Americans. That's the challenge for the Democratic Party is how to get that message through. So this uh, John, what's his name? Um, oh, brother. Jonathan Gruber, who was the architect of uh, Obamacare. Mm. <laughs> so, I mean, this is why he's talking oh, we just have to get people to feel better about it. We have to we have to sell the emotion. Uh, yesterday, I had the, the job that I had yesterday was um, sitting in a room with 200 um, insurance people. And I, I, I'm sorry. I was Are you okay? on the wall. I am. Um, and it intrigued me because the push was sell the need, sell the need. Push the need. So find the anecdote, find the sob story, find the person that's, that benefited greatly from our product because they needed it, not because we they could afford it, because they needed it, and sell the need. Why uh, were you in a room with 200 insurance people? It doesn't matter. It's my job, my paying job. Um, unlike this paying job, which is... Um, the David Allen Show. <laughs> and it is uh, the, uh, the end it of is a our well opening, our 2017 job. inaugural show. Uh, a little uh, programming note coming up. January 20 is the incarceration, in inauguration of Donald Trump <laughs> president. Yes? No? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well. Um, we will have, I am 98% positive, we will have a boots on the ground report um, from the inauguration. Wow. So um, we will have to decide in the next week or so if we want to actually show day that inauguration day. What day is that? Uh, it's Friday. A, it's a Friday. Uh, or if we uh, will do it the day after to kind of... And I'll have to check with my uh, my 
reporter on the ground to see what day would be best for them. I'm assuming probably not the 20th would be best. So maybe maybe that day after. I don't know. We'll have to see what their wow. plans are. But um, we may have to do pre-tape something also with them. But uh, Inauguration Day, we will have some uh, actual eyeballs at the event. Wow. Yeah. That's huge. Huge. Yep. I see what you did there. What I do? Huge. 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 Um, thank you all for listening. Uh, for man, in about five weeks, it's going to be, be a, year. a year. Our one year anniversary. Holy cow! Yeah, that's shocking. Yeah, shocking. You guys should go to dinner together. We should. We should. Sushi. Hey. Hey. Oh, hey. Sushi. I did. Uh, I, I was able to do that uh, on Thursday night again. <coughs> Oh, that's fantastic. I bet it was. I know. I didn't send you a picture because I didn't want to gloat every time I get Why? to Why? Yeah, I was going to say, has that ever stopped you? <laughs> no, no, no. No, no. No, not so This much, is the David no. Allen Show, davidallenshow.com. If you're interested in uh, sending us a message, davidallenshow at gmail.com. Um, and 2017, I will commit that we will have uh, a, a method for you to support this show actually live with cash. With cash? With cash money. And you can always tell your friends. That's a good thing to do as well. To give us cash money. To cash money and yep. to listen. And to, to, to listen. To give yeah. us money, yep. you mean. Is <laughs> yes. Or gold. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jay, for uh, sticking with us again. <coughs> thank and you. And I presume since we uh, do live on Saturdays now, um, we might see more of you, perhaps? Maybe more. Maybe more. Yeah. I mean, we don't want uh, to overuse the yeah. talent. Thanks but. for committing... You know, right. <laughs> my feet are firmly planted in midair. Excellent, excellent. All right, uh, it has been great. Uh, Happy New Year, everybody! Toodles. And we will see you next week uh, as we get closer to maybe the end of the world. Oh, I, I, so. hope. I, I hope. I so. hope so. Shabbat shalom. Hey. <laughs> Ta-ta. TTFN.